This, this, this is a Tape Deck Podcast. Hey everybody, it's H, and welcome to the very first installment of Escape Hatch, the podcast formerly known as Dune Pod. This week, I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Jason. Yeah, exactly. I've got all these fucking lightsabers now. What am I supposed to do now? <laughs> and we welcome back internet luminary, Tom Coates. You know what women are like. If they see a man and, they, and the man gets hit by a car, they have to have sex with them. We kick off our new era with one of the greatest films ever made, Michael J. Fox in Robert Zemeckis' time travel classic, Back to the Future. If you're enjoying the show, we need your help. Take a minute to leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to your podcasts or just tell your friends about us because it really does help new listeners find the show. We also have a Discord server where you can hang out with us online whenever you want. A link is in the show notes. And now, without further ado, back to the future. So we're simultaneously back and brand new and launching for the first time. Yes. But still relaunching. We're born again. It's time. It's time. Back in time. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We're here, Jason. We've survived. We made it to the future of Escape Hatch. (laughs) Hatch, 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 hatch. Yes, if you're joining us uh, just now, expect, expecting Escape Hatch, you've received us. If you were expecting Dune Pod, you've also received us. So we'll say for a couple more weeks uh, that we used to be Dune Pod and we're now Escape Hatch. But like, I'm sick of talking about this branding shit. Like, let's just get to work. It's season seven. <laughs> I love this. You, we haven't podcasted in like ten weeks, and you're already over it. You're already tired <laughs> of explaining. <laughs> Well, I felt terrible, Jason. I got really sick. I got really sick. We weren't yes. able to record episodes. We had to take a break. It, like, it's the first time since your daughter was born in two and a half years that we took a break. Yes. Um, so I was reeling, but after a quick trip to Europe, I'm back and ready to roll. Hold on. I need to get my dog who is barking. Yeah, I was going to say, show. someone's got a little doggy. <laughs> uh, Meanwhile, some of my many pots. Uh-huh. Yeah, you, what is going on with your pot situation, <laughs> my guy? I saw a photo that looked like, I, I was like, this is a cry for help, this many pots you have going on. Yeah, what is I happening? About a year ago, I don't know if this is even vaguely interesting to anyone, but I started a, about a year ago, I was going a bit stir crazy, and so I start, did a pottery course. Oh, and, these are um, your pots. These are yeah, pots you I made. Make, I okay. make these motherfucking things. They're all, they're all over the place. Okay, like, all right. Here, up there. Uh, Somehow that's a one, little bit better than like if you were just buying 30,000 pots and filling your this house one? with them. Holy shit, yeah. dude. <laughs> Do you have a kiln in your home? <laughs> no, I mean, if only. No, I, there's, I'm about a couple of blocks from a pottery studio in San Francisco and I've ended up going. Now at the moment I'm going about, um, I go like about five, six times a week for about three to six hours each time. Holy and shit. Generate fucking vast numbers of pots. <laughs> just quantities of pots. Just massive Ma- pots. Many people are saying that Tom Coates is the Seth Rogen of Escape Hatch. I've heard that said <laughs> several times. <laughs> That's some of them are even acceptably good, but most yeah. of them are not. But some of them are okay. That's great, man. I love this pot situation. I have no patience or skills for that that kind of thing. It's just not my bag. It's very at mentally all. calming. That's great. That's great. Mm. And I think I think we all need a bit of mental calming. 
And when, when are we going to do Ghost? When are we going to do Ghost, H? The people want <laughs> I I have to be honest. It hasn't been high on the list. It's not been on the not, radar. We know what Tom's coming back for next. <laughs> Sorry, Tom. I think that's a very impractical way to make pots, I think. <laughs> on a, like on multiple a, hands. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sexy that's a good time. Point. Whenever I get emotional and I try to do pots, um, they just don't work. They collapse. They explode. Well, that's mm. like, I mean, you know, look. like, uh, yeah, the mm. explo- I mean, the explosion sometimes the good part, if you know what I'm saying. Mm. <laughs> 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 <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> Just shake it off that rust here. Uh, mm. Tom. We'll strike Tom, that one. We'll strike that. <laughs> <laughs> Megan, you may be busy this week. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Tom, we haven't seen you since the Gattaca episode, which rocked our community. How did that one go down? Um, you know, I, I still think about Chekhov's penis on a regular basis. You savaged, yeah. uh, you savaged the, penis. <laughs> that, that film, but the community loved it anyways. Oh, that's good. Uh, that's good. I'm gonna, glad about it. I'm not going to do that this time, I promise. Yes, okay. everyone loved it. Very, very good. That feels like a lifetime ago. Yeah, exactly. Well, so we wanted to start off season seven of Escape Hatch. Um, this is a banger season, Jason. Nothing but bangers. Yep. Nothing uh, but bangers. For this, for this season. And this film we're talking about tonight is one that I didn't even put on the list for anyone because I didn't want anyone picking it. I knew this one had to be saved uh, for a very special occasion. And so tonight... We are covering the best distillation of genre 80s sci-fi fantasy movies. Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd, Leah Thompson, Crispin Glover in Robert Zemeckis' time travel classic, Back to the Future. Amazing. Amazing. Very excited. uh, And we'll be getting to that in just a minute. Meanwhile, next week, Jason, you like you've been on a run of Jason Pals. Um, and we have next week Brandon Silverman. Brandon Silverman, yeah, I'm very excited. Brandon Silverman's a new friend. It's hard to make friends in your 40s. And what's Brandon the connection? Uh, we're both concerned about the internet. <laughs> we both okay. have worked on the internet and are, are concerned about it. Uh Brandon um was uh, was the CEO of CrowdTangle uh, at Facebook okay. um, and mm. is now one of the, I think, most uh, insightful and effective advocates for increased transparency uh, measures on the Internet. And, oh, cool. And uh, is like a it's just a really thoughtful, thoughtful tech person. So, yeah, uh, excited. And, and a Dune and a escape a Dune Bod fan. I'm sure he'll be a Escape Hatch fan now that we have uh, made it to this new reality amazing i mean he sounds fine if you can't get me every week i understand exactly, you have to exactly. We occasionally have, have somebody else on someone else from tech <laughs> yeah <laughs> well so what tried- the, listen we're gonna run out of like the rational people in tech like you know like the chillers in tech pretty quickly like it's not mm-hmm. like a huge list so we <laughs> will be back to you soon yeah <laughs> stay tuned uh, so we are covering, Jason, we've talked about this movie probably more than any other film on DunePod in terms of anticipation for coverage, and it is finally happening next week. Sandra Bullock, 1997. No. Yes. Emails and pizza delivery. You're doing the yeah. net? And the we're net. doing the net. Fucking hell. Do we do? Does it feel like we've left you behind? Does it now? Do you oh, really feel no, betrayed? That's amazing. I kind of do yeah. a little bit. 
Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. I uh, cannot wait to, to get there. So that is next week. Jason, can we just hit some quick podcast news? Would you like to know more? Yeah, let's do it. Pod news. <laughs> Announcing for the first time, available now, the Escape Hatch Patreon. Oh, yes. The Escape Hatch Patreon. Uh, this is it. This is the sellout phase of, uh, yes, of Escape Hatch. Let's go. Yeah, we're about to get rich. This is this is happening. So uh, people have said for a long time, they have been asking us to do a Patreon. They want to be able to support the pod. They want cool, exclusive bonus things. And so we have created the Patreon. It's live now, patreon.com slash escape hatch. Um, you will find us there and you can join. We only have one membership level. It's engineer uh, for $4.99. Um, you're going to get exclusive bonus episodes quarterly. We're going to be exclusive discord channels. Uh, mm -hmm. the main escape patch discord will always be free. We want anyone and everyone to join and hang out with us, but we'll have some exclusive channels casting Patreon only votes to help shape the community and the show on the air shout outs, um, and a special engineer discord role. Yeah. Woo. There's, I mean, there's one more level. It's $4.99 for engineer. Mm -hmm. uh, but for $40, you can just buy the whole podcast, it turns out. <laughs> like the whole thing is available for, for, if we get 10 subscriptions, technically it's owned by the community. <laughs> it's a leverage buyout. Yeah. Don't we have like different class shares for voting? Yes, I, thought, have, I thought we, we have, were. We have dual class shares for voting. Okay. So the, so the Patreon's out there. Check it out uh, if you would like. Uh, we would love to have you joining us uh, on that or just on the Discord. We always love you. Also joining us this last week, we had Neat Pringle, T, JNix2016, Piece of Cheese, Wonder Kid Chaos, Stocking, Snow Angel, Max Essence 69, Muridanu, Ravens 21, and Lames. This is a great list of people. Great list of folks. Grateful to have them all. It's gonna be a great time. People kept coming even though we didn't release an episode. Like I was shocked. I don't know where I don't know where people were hearing about us. Mm, I think uh the vibes were positive um for for us in general people knew that we were in trouble that you were you had been sick and then we're <laughs> out of the country um and the, and the call went out the call went out and gondor answered and gondor answered. <laughs> can we give one other shout out though before we get into the movie please can we give a shout out to our community our discord community who uh earlier this evening hosted our first ever secret sayadina thank you slash secret santa in june um thank you uh uh event where uh a good grip of us i believe nearly a score 20 yeah mm -hmm. um uh exchange gifts and a secret santa style exchange and we both received a bespoke sandworm lego set lego set designed by a like Ooh. you know a, a legit lego set designer yes um and uh also awards microphone awards and people got lots of great gifts and it was all completely like organically driven and design uh, and um, uh, you know sort of uh, led by our our community. Particularly shout out to Pat who put this all together. But mm. um, to everyone, we had gifts exchanged from all over the world, including Sweden, Australia, um, and what Malaysia. Um, so, goddamn, really beautiful. It's going on. It was great. Yeah, I'm I'm stoked it happened. 
really impressed both the creativity, the commitment. And it was just wonderful to get on and spend an hour with everybody mm-hmm. uh, on a Zoom. It was super, super fun. So thank yeah. you to everyone who participated. Uh, we love you. And everyone out there, come be a part of this wonderful community. Yeah. All right. Well, what do you think? Should we get into it? Let's do it. Yeah. Let's get into it. Okay. I'm I'm totally ready. I'm not rusty at all. I'm I'm concerned I might be too spicy right now. I've already I've already, we've already had to check Ooh. two jokes with the community, and now we're gonna talk about a movie that is sort of lightly incestuous. So let's just see how we roll. Let's see how <laughs> let's see how it goes. All right, here we go. Back to the future is the journey to find the confidence in ourselves necessary to carve out our own place in history. Marty McFly is a typical high school student trying to get away for the weekend with his girlfriend, but pulled back by his controlling mother and his pathetically weak father. However, when Marty's friend, the eccentric inventor, Dr. Emmett Brown, surprises him by revealing that he's built a time machine out of a DeLorean, Marty is thrown back 30 years into the past to the idyllic Hill Valley of 1955. A man out of time who unwittingly alters the course of his own history, Marty will be forced to set events aright by inspiring his father to stand up for himself and win the heart of his mother, the rain. Will Marty be stuck in his own past or even worse, erased from existence altogether? Or will he team up with Doc Brown to successfully invent time travel and escape back to the future? <laughs> Speaking of woo, Russ. Woo! Woo! Amazing. Stuck the landing. Really nailed it, right? What it's kind of cool conceptually is that you will go back in time to insert the synopsis in this podcast because mm-hmm. you didn't write it. So I, I just did. I, I already did. I, I appreciate the commitment to the bit. <laughs> Tom, please tell us about your earliest experiences with Back to the Future. Yeah. So I was. So this is going to be interesting, actually, because there's. I think there's a whole bunch of backstory that you guys get in the U.S. that we didn't get in the U.K. Like we, you know, yeah. Whatever this TV show was that Michael J. Fox was on beforehand, right? Didn't Family have, ties. Yeah. Uh, that wasn't in the U.K. That wasn't anywhere. And I don't think I saw Back to the Future in the cinema, but I definitely, definitely saw Back to the Future two and three in the cinema, a hundred percent, probably uh-huh. several times. You know. Um, uh, I must have watched Back to the Future, I don't know, three dozen, four dozen times, like of a fuck ton of times, you know. And one of the weirdest things rewatching it this time was that I I started thinking I don't really know how to evaluate this film at all. I just know every word. Right. I know right. exactly what's going to happen next. I know exactly <laughs> what they're going to say. I know what happens in the next. You know, I know where the joke is. I know where to look on the screen. The body language that, that Keaton would be using. The whole thing. So, like, you know, it, it's it's kind of bizarrely, you know, it, it's bizarrely in, inculcated into my brain. And the other thing I think is really interesting about it is that in all of that time, I hadn't really thought about it as a film beyond 
you know, sort of like how enjoyable it was or how structured it was or, you mm-hmm. know, like how elegantly made it was or more specifically how cool the car was, which I very specifically remember making endless Lego models of various cars with bits wow, of computers wow, on the wow, roof that would help them wow. go back through time, mm. um, you know, at, at the age of probably no no older than, you know, 19 or 20. So um, uh, that's, that was a joke. <laughs> the car, The car is the one sort of, like British thing in in the movie, right? Because it's, I mean, uh, sort it, of, yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And, and again, like so much of this is like, I think we're in, we're at an interesting age, right? Because um, I mean, I guess it was it like eighty six, is that right? Eighty five. Eighty five. So I would have been thirteen. Yeah. And you guys would have been babies. No, but, I was you know. I was fifteen. Oh, see, see, you're a cooler, but you know. See, you're probably more the target audience. Well, maybe not the target audience, but like more in tune with the time because you will have had more of the background. You will have, yes. you know, have some sense of the car and its place in the world. For me, the first time I ever saw a DeLorean was watching Back to the Future, age, yeah. age mm. sort of 14. I had no idea who this Michael J. Cox person was. My experience of watching it was with him. Um, and I had no sense of any of the politics surrounding it like i mean all we knew and i think this is one of the things that kept coming back to me during this thing was how was the very sort of clear ideology the clear sense that i had of what the late 80s were like right you know and this film was sort of epitomized like what the late 80s were like you know at the end you get a car yeah. You know, like yeah. that was, you know, that that was just makes total sense to me, age uh-huh. sort of fourteen. That that you know, you go through a whole bunch of struggles, and at the end, they you get a car. There'd be a, there'd be a, a time traveling car first. That would be the cooler car. But at the end, you'd still get a car. Um, everyone yeah. gets a car. Well, the Iron Lady, you know, that's that's why the car, you know, like that was part of the. <laughs> so astute listeners may have picked up on the fact that uh, Tom is not from this country. He is uh, is a is a British subject. But like, did the oh, did that the explains Amer- so much. <laughs> did the American did the Americanness of it, like, did like did you like sort of like did you have like an antecedent for like American high school prior to this movie? Or was this like a, a defining sort of, oh, is that what they're doing over there for school? It's a really, it's a really weird, I mean, a lot of this stuff is very hard to parse and, and filter out. Like most of the rest of the world gets a lot of American TV. Um, right. And a lot of American movies. And and we sort of just slurp that stuff up as if it's normal, right? Right. Even mm-hmm. though, you know, I, I didn't go to an American high school. I went to a school that was founded in 1086 and had, right. um, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and Admiral Nelson went to it. You know, like, right. it, it was a, it's a bit different, right? So, um, and, uh, but, you know, like, I think we all sort of just imbibed americana like that was right. you know particularly my age particularly in the late 80s right um americana was like the fascinating exciting thing you know my old favorite tv show my favorite of all time doctor who was running at that time but let's just say the the special effects were not their best right. and you know the budgets were not the, the most substantial and if you were a nerdy guy or you know a kid um like you would watch American TV shows and movies and get... I was just talking to friends this morning about um, Manimal and Automan, two American TV shows that we did get over. You were were well in then. We're well into that kind of stuff. But there is like very specific things that um, landing over here, you know, because you guys didn't get any British stuff at all apart from maybe Doctor Who and, you know, like a couple of things. Red Dwarf, baby. Monty Python. 
Well, okay, fair enough. No, we a few things, nerds. very specific we things. A few critical, Blake a few Seven. very critical things. Yeah. But you didn't have Mid much Blake sense Seven of what on British PBS. school life was like. Blake Seven is fucking great, and I won't hear true. a word against it. True, true, true. I assumed it was like what happened with the kids in Narnia. <laughs> I assume that's what it was. I had no idea what Turkish Delight was, but I was nervous I thought Turkish it. Delight was made up. I thought Turkish Delight was made up for sure. There's a lot of great TikToks of like of like things that Americans didn't realize were actually just British and not magical from Harry Potter. It's like you know, train, train stations or whatever. <laughs> this is not that far off. Like when I moved to the US... Um, well, actually, when I first started traveling to the US, which is when I was like 18, 19, you know, and again, like I was a fairly uh, uh, US-ophile, I guess, Americanophile. Um, like, I was just sort of stunned that the things on TV, like the things in real world looked like the things on TV. Like, you know, that just hadn't occurred to me. Yeah. I just assumed it was all special effects or like good lighting or stuff. No, no. And then you go to like Santa Monica and you're like, oh, they just fucking filmed this shit. And so right. I'm like, uh-huh. A lot of this stuff, like, yeah. you know, the the sense we had of America in the UK was of a sense of sort of unreality, like this slightly fabricated right. media environment, which is not far off the mark, um, right. um, uh, that was a bit glossier and a bit shinier and everyone was a bit, bit too symmetrical, you know. Mm. And um, uh, like the weather was always decent. Like like me and age. Oh, yeah, like, like, well, all three of us, I'm honoring. All three of us. Obviously, um, yeah. Uh, and yeah, it just seemed a bit like it was a sort of simulated fake environment. And then you move out here and you're like, well, okay, some of it is fake. Right. Like mm-hmm. the car couldn't actually talk. <laughs> um, but, you know, like great swathes of it are just pretty, they just took a camera and stuck it outside. You know, like that's what it fucking looks like. You know, most of England, most of the time, looks pretty gray. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's some very beautiful bits to it. But if you, you know, the weather's pretty gray, everything looks kind of flat. Um, it's not very sunny a lot of the time. And you, you just you didn't occur to, literally didn't occur to us. So yeah, there's this element, and I think this bit, the difference for you guys, we had this very sort of confected idea of what the US was like, but it was we are we were very familiar with it. But all mm. this specific stuff that you got, like the resonance right. you'd have got from what Hill Valley was like, you know, particularly Californians, um, uh, like the. Um, uh, and like we the, were, the, by the way, the we car, were we were outside of it. We were outside schools. of it too. Jason and I were both, you know, I was in Florida and he was in, in, you know, Missouri. So like, oh yeah, uh, you know, like we were looking at California at a, at a distance uh, as well. Did it feel so. like it was made up to you as well? Yes. Yeah. Like yeah, I, for sure. I, I, I definitely. And I think that's one of the things to get into is that like the version of high school in this and we talk and this like, it's kind of like a Heather's thing where it's this yeah. heightened version of teen life and Man. seeing this movie as like a young person, I yeah. definitely thought, like Jesus Christ, what? Like, do I need to learn how to fight? Like, what is going to happen? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Hey, Jason, like, where? Yeah, you're like, I got to start the knife trick. So, yeah. so Jason, where? When did you see this on v, on VHS? I assume your dad brought it home. No, I saw I saw it in the theater. I saw it in the you theater did? for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was taken to this one for sure. Wow, uh, okay. eighty six. Because I was ten. I was like the eighty five. Was nine yeah. or yeah? I was like the perfect age to go see this okay. in the theater. One hundred percent. Yeah, and then saw it. Then saw you know I've seen it infinity, infinity times. times. Yeah, infinity times. Um, yeah, saw it in the theater multiple times. It was like, it was a hot summer movie. Like it was like, a you know, we, that was like, you know, you had to have the birthday party. I think I had a back to the future theme birthday party with the cake with like the DeLorean on it or whatever. Like, Ooh, I mean, we were hot. all in, uh, on this thing. I was the perfect age for this movie when it came out for sure. Amazing. So, and I mean, I was very, very 
clued in for this film, saw it in theaters. Um, and I was a huge fan of Michael J. Fox at that point. I loved Family Ties, um, yeah. which if you think about it, is a genius idea. Yeah. You have Alex P. Keaton as a young, heavily conservative uh, you know, young man who has super yuppie, hippie parents and all the conflict that happens from that. And I, at that point, as a fundamentalist Christian, I was like, boom, yeah, big Republican, uh, you know, like very much into this this thing. And so I looked for him as like a big hero. And then to see him at 15 as Marty McFly, like one of the coolest, you know, high school characters in history, um, just, it, it was a, an absolute, you know, focus my life. Like yeah. I, I love, love this movie uh, so much. So it was a real joy um, to get back and, and revisit this. Love it. So let's just do some quick behind the scenes. BTS, a new segment called BTS. Yeah. This is written by Bob Gale uh, alongside Robert Zemeckis. They had done um, used cars. Uh, yeah. They had written 1941 yeah. for Spielberg. Um, so they'd done a few things, but hadn't had any breakout. They wanted to write a time travel um, movie, but they didn't have the hook. But then Bob Gale was home in St. Louis. Yeah. Ba -ba -ba -ba. Bob Gale, University City, uh, it grew like a Jewish guy from like the Jewish part of St. Louis in that time where my grandparents lived also. Um, entirely possible. I, I, I would say it is more than likely my family knew his family at the time mm. that he, he lived there just based on how insular and small the community was at that time. Mm. Well, because these guys had had middling success on their first two projects, they couldn't get a green light until Zemeckis directed Romancing the Stone, which, by the way, I love that movie, right? Mm -hmm. Kathleen and, um, and Michael Douglas, great film, uh, mm -hmm. Danny DeVito. Mm -hmm. And it was immediately greenlit by Universal Studios, you know, notably loved and artist supporting hero Sid Sheinberg. Sid Sheinberg of Sheinhart Wig Company. <laughs> from from our Brazil episode. From our Brazil episode. Yeah. Yes. So he had uh he discovered Steven Spielberg um and he made uh you know his first couple movies um at Universal and he set up this as Amblin's very first project. Mm -hmm. Um and so pretty incredible there. Um and he basically gave these guys freedom. So they wanted Michael J. Fox, but they couldn't get him because he was working on Teen Wolf and Family Ties. So they went to Eric Stoltz. Have you seen this whole thing? Yeah, mm -hmm. I've seen this whole thing. They shot for six weeks. Yeah. Six weeks. Yeah. Uh, the whole movie. And, uh, and then Zemeckis went to Steven and was like, we're not getting the laughs. It isn't working yeah and sid approved shutting it down recasting and reshooting the whole movie fuck you stoltz <laughs> yeah i think i like the thing that i noticed in this watch is just how gifted michael j fox is at physical comedy unreal mm -hmm. he's 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 very good at it in a way that's like uh, I don't know. I just forgot like how good he is. Like you know, we'll talk about it. When he falls at the barn after old man shoots the <laughs> shoots the shotgun, he falls at the barn. He falls putting his pants back pants on. on. Yeah, and, and 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 there's just like I think a lot of that stuff, and just like his overall physicality is like so. Uh, it's like both sensitive and like he, you know, he looks, he feels small, but he's like, he feels you, you, you're rooting for him. Like it's like it's this whole thing. And someone I saw a comment on Twitter recently that like the reason why. 
they basically were able to get away with it um with him with his mom having the hots for being a central plot element of this film is because at no point do you buy that he's reciprocating right yeah yeah, yeah. right it's just like he he is the audience proxy for like this is fucking weird um and like we're just gonna keep it moving um and so it just kind of works um and i i thought that was really i thought that was really smart anonymous twitterer who said that yeah, there's an element to it, like, so this is really kind of interesting to me because um, uh, I was thinking about this a bit earlier. And there's a few things that I heard about this. Like, the first one is that Eric Stoltz is, a, like, a proper uh, method actor and wouldn't come out of character between takes. Oh, no. Sat in his trailer all the way, all the time between things. I was like, and everyone was like, he is a great, he's a really good actor and he just isn't a comedian, you know, and he think he right, said right. the same thing. Which makes all sense. But like, you know, like I had a bit of a crush on M Michael J. Fox, um, you mm. know, 100% had a crush on Michael J. Fox when I was a late teenager. Mm. Um, and I, I think a friend I later determined to be gay also, I sort of made him go and watch um, uh, like Back to the Future 2 and 3 with me in some kind of long marathon, <laughs> mainly because I fancied Michael J. Fox. Did you um, get purple underwear after? I, I, after... Did, I, did, I think my parents would have raised an eyebrow. Anyway, <laughs> um, but I think the thing that was interesting about that is, is what you just said there is like, I was very much in, do you remember The Simpsons? Lisa Simpson has a, a magazine called Non-Threatening Boys. <laughs> yeah, 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 like yeah. that's Michael J. Fox. He is, he is like, he is attractive. He is charismatic. He is incredibly confident and therefore cool, even though he's the size of a you know a a, a, a squirrel, uh, and um, you know like and not particularly physically imposing. But he's very charismatic. He's very cool, um, and he's completely non-threatening. You don't really right. think of him as like a a sort of dangerously sexual person. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's good. It, it, it's it's an incredible performance in this film, especially because Family Ties agreed for him to go on as long as it didn't interfere. So Crazy. he would work from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. at Family Ties and then get picked up and work from 6 p.m. till 4 a.m. on Back to the Future for months on end. Yeah, I Nuts. saw a clip from the new Michael J. Fox Apple TV Plus documentary. Still. Um, and, and like they, they do like a... Uh, you know, they do like a reenactment of like what it was like for him to work that to go back and forth. And I was tired just watching like the reenactment. It seems horrible. Like he was working like 16 hours a day. I don't even know how that's like legal. I don't even know how this is like a. I, I don't. I mean, like literally, like I don't know how. Like, like, like. OSHA, where are you? Well, like our SAG. Like, I don't know if you could just like drive. I don't know if that works. Like, you know, they have strong unions for these actors. I don't know how that works. But I guess it was I guess two separate jobs. Yeah, I think that must be it. Because I was again similarly, I was reading something about this where if they work overtime, they have to be guaranteed a certain amount of sleep, and unless they get, you know, it's like a whole bunch of stuff that goes on, and obviously not in this case. Apparently, he got carried often. Yeah, I saw that he got carried into his in, bed, like from yeah. the bed. Jesus, you know, yeah. that's all you have to do with like my four-year-old after camp. <laughs> well, I mean, you know. <laughs> um. Two last pieces. Drew Struzan's poster is so epic with Marty checking his watch and then the way they extended it for Back to the Future 2 and 3. Just genius. Um, so I just want to give a quick shout out for Drew Struzan, who did posters for Future World, mm. Raiders of the Lost Ark. He did the foreign poster. Oh, that's so good. E.T., Blade Runner, Tron, First Blood, Dark Crystal, Risky Business, Lady Hawk. The Goonies, Big Trouble in Little China, Masters of the Universe, okay, now he's Mall Rats, off. Star Wars Special Editions, Harry Potter, and Force Awakens, among many others. Fucking hell. 
Just insane. Like we could literally just do Drew Steers and movies for the next year. That would be amazing. We should do Drew Steers month at least. For sure. So budget of $19 million worldwide, $389 million. Um, just incredible smash hit. Smash, as they say. Mm. Just Incredible. imagine this. Imagine this world. Imagine it's 1985. Someone makes a time-traveling movie about a high schooler going back on an adventure. It's not based on anything. It's not based yeah. on a comic book. It's not based on any IP that anyone knows. I mean, it's, it's a original, sequel, though, right? It's an original story. <laughs> and people just go to the movies. They love it. And it's a success. Like this was a world we once had. Well, this was a thing that could have that could happen. You can make good things. I don't know. I mean, it it seems out of reach. It seems like it's not <laughs> happening for us anymore. We just have we just have comic book movies no one wants to go see. Oh God. Hey, yeah. I want to go and see them. Okay. Did you did you see the Flash? Did you go see the Flash yet? No, I didn't. No one's seen it. No one's seen. No one has seen it. <laughs> I mean, I kind of want to see it, but uh, it's not On looking not, hand, not enough to across, go. Across the Spider-Verse, though. Across the Spider-Verse seems great. Oh, my God, it blew People my mind. It. it was yeah. so good. It was Griffin's, the best movie I've ever seen ages. Griffin is super deep into Spider-Man all of a sudden. He has, like, flipped from Jedis into Spider-Man. Wow. And he is in love with Ghost Spider. <laughs> You're like, couldn't you have switched to Spider-Man before I bought the lightsabers? Yeah, exactly. I've got all these <laughs> fucking lightsabers now. What am I supposed to do now? Uh, so I might, I, we might have an outing for that one. You have to, it's great. Yeah. I wanted to show it to Sam, but, uh, it's definitely like a hard PG 13. Um, I believe. Oh, is it the spider verse? Yeah. I think both of them are like, it, there's lots are of scary. They PG, they're really PG 13. Is that what they're I think so. I, I don't know. Somebody oh. can fact check me, but All right. I'd be surprised if spider verse was, but it was definitely, it was definitely, I mean, you know, for, for children who have trouble with mild peril or get overwhelmed emotionally, I mean, I was there and I was overwhelmed emotionally. It's PG. Uh, you know, they, 15 minutes in, I was like, oh, it's such a great movie. You know, I was like, yeah, it's, it's really... And at the end, there was only eight people in the cinema and um, there was a break, uh, like the, the music just lulled before the credits and I just went... Just I was by myself, just went, fuck, that was good. And like two people ahead of me pissed themselves laughing. And someone behind me went, Yeah, I know, I loved it too. You know, <laughs> That's great. All right, I've just discovered it's PG. So maybe, maybe, yeah. uh, we'll, maybe it's back maybe on. We'll flip it around. Yeah, it could, could be. So let's get into this. So, first of all, starting out with clocks, uh, you know, to give us on time. Um, this opening shot and this series of opening shots are completely insane. Um, this idea of having 23 clocks perfectly synced and they had different, mm -hmm. you know, 23 different people all getting them mm -hmm. to start at exactly the right moment. But the amount of exposition that is happening seamlessly as this is unfolding, whether it's the plutonium being stolen or seeing newspaper articles about the Brown Mansion having burned down, um, the faulty automation, Jason, this is straight back to Sam Lowry's apartment. Yep, it is. Is uh, the it's it's a good callback to Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, but this is I mean, this is crazy, right? This entire film, I think, this is the first moment you see it. It's so fucking intricate. I'm swearing a lot this episode. I'm really sorry. Okay. I'll control myself. But it's like you know, like vibe. it's like every single scene, every image in this film, either sets something word. up, mm -hmm. yeah, either sets something up or pays something. Hundred percent. Like it is. 
so incredibly well dense written. and incredibly yeah. well written. Yeah. And I think there's a time I was, you know, I was rewatching re it, and I thought a couple of things. One of them was was how at times when the energy dips for a second, like when, like much later when you know they're like picking up the laundry between um, Martin right. and George, mm -hmm. you know, you suddenly go, oh, this this feels like quite a long film, you know, like in these sudden bits where it dips, it's not a particularly long film. It's just no. so much happens. Right. It, felt, it felt to me, it's almost like you know when you watch cartoons and they have to be like ultra compressed. Um, yeah, you know they're they're so fast because. And you can't watch for more than like forty minutes because your brain leaks out your ear. It, right. it, there's, there's something of that. It's like it's like a little tiny, loads of tiny cogs, lots of tiny wheels, intricately assembled, incredibly dense, and yet and 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 I I heard that they um, had issues with the beginning. They said the the first sort of fifth of the film people got a bit bored because it seemed like it was all set up and then as soon as it kicked off as soon as the DeLorean appeared everyone gets really excited again and I can yeah. sort of see how that might happen again it's really hard to put myself in the mind of someone who hasn't seen this film 50 times right um, right but I think that that sort of sense of the denseness of it, that all of these things, one by one, from the moment it opens, are being set up and organized like a whole string of dominoes so that, you know, at this point they can knock over this bit and that will cascade through the whole thing, through the through to the conclusion effortlessly. Mm -hmm. Incredible. That's great. Good, good summary. For me, once you see Marty's sneakers, you you see the skateboard, you hear his voice. Mm -hmm. Like I, I was definitely into skateboarding at, at that point as well. Like immediately hooked in. Um, and when he is like turning on that speaker, flipping the switches, turning the dials all the I way up. Uh, and I love that, his dials. It's so good. His dials uh, feel good. Yeah, and then boom on that on that guitar chord. And the explosion is great. But Doc and Marty, like their instant chemistry is so great. Yeah. Um, I love every element of the two of them together. Um, but at this point, we're just straight into power of love. And him skateboarding to school, like the coolest thing ever. Yeah, it's great. I was like, I really like it's like sort of this and in war games. And like, there's just, I was like, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to be able to like go to high school. Like, you know, like seeing this as like a nine year old, I was like, I can't like skateboard or play guitar. I'm not going to like, it doesn't seem safe to hold on to the back of a car. Like, I don't want to get in a fight. Like, there seems like a lot of, a lot of, like a lot of skills that I need to learn that I don't have right now. It set up mm. some pretty high standards for what, for what yeah. school would be like. I mean, yeah. again, my 10th century school did not live up to those expectations. No. <laughs> did you learn like, uh, like, did you like, like, learn like how to use a longsword in that? What did you? What was like? Yeah. If only. Like, but you know, we did have we had prayers every morning in a 13th century cathedral, and I ducked off to play poker with my friends in the top of a building. Our newest, one of our newest. Um, what, uh, one of the school buildings was called the New Buildings, and it was mm. made of flint. It was made of flint. Okay. Mm. This is a Minecraft it's recipe. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, bizarrely intense, for, retrospectively, for in a way that we're driving the Catholics out of the country. <laughs> <laughs> That's more of an everyday. Anyway, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I digress. Um, so we have Marty late to school, and we have Principal Strickland. So first of all, I love this character actor, James Tolkien. 
Um, he was yeah. in Amityville Horror. He was in Wolfen. Jason, have you seen this movie? I have seen Wolfen, but it's been Albert a while. Finney, Edward James Almost, and Gregory Hines. What a cast. Yeah, we got to do it. It's a werewolf movie. I don't know he if was we in have War to Games, it, Top Gun, Masters of the Universe. He was in War Games. He's the principal in War Games, right? And Dick He's Tracy. Like, yeah, Dick Tracy. Shout out to Kev. Mm. So I have a question here with, about this guy, right? Um, and about all of them, because um, when I was watching it this time, I noticed that when he like leans over to Marty, he has mm -hmm. like that like plastic they've put over his neck to make him look older, to make him look wrinkly. Because mm, obviously yeah. they're going to go back in time and they need him to look like appropriately aged. But as a kid, until very recently, I never noticed any of this, right? Like the first time I saw all these actors, I'd never seen them before as far as I could tell, mm -hmm. was the older George McFly, you know, and right, the older right. Lorraine. And and I never, I, I, did. were you the same? Like I looked at them and was, it, it, I'd almost forgotten that the older George McFly was played by the same person that played the yeah, younger yeah, George yeah. McFly. Yeah, it was yeah, all yeah. completely seamless to me. Like I, I, I had as a kid, no questions. Was, yeah, I had no questions as a kid. I had no right. questions. I totally bought it. Whereas like in, in 2, where Lorraine turns up with her enormous cleavage, you're just like, oh, okay, that's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. the first one, I mean, and, and they just did it, you know, I, I think one of the the really clever things about it is the, it's, the film has just started, you're being introduced to characters, you have no reason to suspect that many of them are heavily made up to look older. I should sure, point right. out at this point that they're, 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 they're made up to look like really quite old, and yet yeah. they cannot have been more than, you know, the characters cannot have been more than 48. 25, yeah, right, exactly. Right, like, yeah, the yeah, characters yeah, yeah. are like 48, oh, the characters, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they're well, like, listen, and they're like the walking in with like yeah, set yeah. hair pieces and like barely walking and their hips are a bit fucked. And I'm, a bit, I'm now a bit like, hmm. When we did the thing, when we did the thing and Wilford Brimley's in that one and he's only like 37, <laughs> it's like Wilford Brimley at 37 and he looks like literally 125 years old. So I it used to be... I you just crossed, crossed the Brimley the, line? I crossed the Brimley line about oh. two, months, two months ago. Oh. Um, I'm now older than Wilfred Brimley in Cocoon. Congrats. Congratulations. Well, I, I will say uh, I saw Leah Thompson uh, doing some BTS stuff for like Back to the Future DVD from five years ago or something. So she was like probably 52 or 53, way hotter than Lorraine. Like she looked, <laughs> yeah. she looked amazing. Yeah. Uh, so still, she still got it. Uh, but I do love this uh, that they work in here with Strickland talking about setting things up. I noticed your band is on the roster for the dance auditions after school today. Why even bother, McFly? You don't have a chance. You're too much like your old man. No McFly ever amounted to anything in the history of Hill Valley. Yeah, well, history is going to change. Mm -hmm. Like, that's awesome. Uh, just kind of weaving that in um, with Marty setting that up. Um, but we go from there straight to the band audition. I love this. Um, uh, Michael J. Fox actually did play guitar. Um, so he, oh, yeah. he worked on the fake solos. He didn't actually play the solos, but he got fingering that was close in that right. general uh, area. Definitely too hard rocking. Uh, but Huey Lewis's line read. Hold it, fellas. I'm afraid you're just too darn loud. What was going on with Huey Lewis in the news? Like at this, this was another confusing thing. I will say is like I was really into Huey Lewis in the news. Uh, I, I like you know after, number as one a result, as a result of this movie. Like you know, I was like very very into it. Um, and like was yeah, was really into sports. I think was the one sports. I had. Sports. What like, a name for out. an album. <laughs> yeah, 
I don't think I realized how much irony is in Huey Lewis in the news. I definitely didn't like at the time as a kid, like I was just like, Oh, this is fucking rock and roll. And actually it's sort of like a song tunes version of rock and roll. Like what, uh-huh. like it's, it's, it's like, it's not, I mean, not to get into the whole, you know, like speech from American psycho, but it's like so polished and like, so it, it's so camp in, in its own weird way that this like totally missed me. It's sort of the same thing as starship troopers. I didn't realize that there was levels <laughs> to what like Huey Lewis in the news was doing. But this is the eighties, right? Like this is the, one of the weirdest things about the late eighties and becoming a teenager in the late eighties is the sheer, like what you're seeing effectively is is culture dominated and run by people who were, you know, like 20 years older than you, being packaged up in these beautiful, perfect, polished ways. Um, right. and, and, and they were all kind of, you know, like uh, my, one of my favorite bands from the time, The Bangles, you know, not, not, not a cool band to identify with, but nonetheless, I was. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Uh, you know, like they, they were producing, you know, they were like massively through the the sausage factory like having their Mm -hmm. their music changed and you know people in to polish their music and adjust it and change it and it's something about this moment and it's weird it's you know like it's strange to hear that kind of vibe come back again this like ultra produced super smooth you know um kind of sound wrapping around you know in Huey Lewis the news a band that you're sort of supposed to sort of I think kind of feel are kind of a bit blue collar and a bit like you know um uh, but also a bit Reagan-y, you know, but not right. like necessarily like proper Reagan-y. Yeah. Um, I find them very confusing in that respect. Like, and quite a lot of the songs are absolute bangers, you know. I think um, Huey's from Marin, by the way. <laughs> so uh, it's not blue, like Billy Joel then. Okay. Real blue collar. Hey, I just have to say, you, t- you talked about the Bengals. I mean, they're ha- uh, Hazy Shade of Winter from the Less Than Zero, speaking of mm-hmm. Brett Eaton Ellis. Like, oh. that's good shit. Man. It's classic. Yeah. I would, I would love to do that film. But I think, you know, again, like you're talking about like how everything's set up, you know, this is a scene very early on. Yep. They've already set up that he plays the guitar. Now he's performing in this place. He wants to perform at the school dance. Yeah. You know, like, and the entire film, the entire arc of the film is he gets to play at the school dance. So, and, uh, and, and at I, the end, in the school dance, they basically say, you're too darn loud. So, so importantly here, um, this is, this is a great point that I realized today and we'll get there in a, in a minute, but, um, he is like frustrated because he's not getting to do that. And Jennifer is giving him the speech um, that he should buck up and that he needs to go for it. And she says, it's like the doc says, if you put your mind to it, you can do anything. Um, Which then he later gives to George uh, Mm -hmm. and George then gives back to him um, later. So I just like really, really phenomenal. Yeah. I think that, and I think that that is said about eight times in the film and um, it, it it's a really good message and it also gels slightly uncomfortably with um reaganite right-wing politics of the time oh um, wow uh, which oh, is wow. where a, a bunch of this stuff gets a bit strange when you start like thinking about like the one the bits that get a bit uncomfortable about this film are how much does it gel in with you know how what is the politics of this film listen we only had a lot later 1985 we only had one note like we did not, we, we were we we did not have. There was no other opinion in America. But like Crispin Glover refused to come back for the sequels because right. he said he didn't like the way that it ended on such a commercialist, consumerist, mm. capitalist ending. Mm-hmm. You know that was his sort of feeling. 
Um, and, you know, you've also, like, and again, in the background as we go through this film, there's all this sort of complete erasure of any civil rights struggles going on in the 50s. Of course. You've got, like, um, you yeah, have, yeah. like, women are almost a complete cipher in this film. You know, like, yeah, they have yeah. no agency whatsoever. When they make yeah. decisions, they say things like, oh, it's the Florence Nightingale complex. She can't help herself. You know, right, like, right, uh, right. And there's a whole range of this sort of layering and like how much, you know, the, the 80s are slightly dystopian and there's helicopters and porn stores totally. outside around Hill, Hill Valley. And the 50s is sort of airbrushed and shiny. But there's a bit of, you know, complexity to it because they're also a little bit more sexual than you may have thought they were. And But yeah, and it, it's, it's interesting to me, I think, because uh, there's been a, because it was so, and again, I, I, this is probably an end of the uh, film conversation, but like I think it's worth laying it out a little bit here because it'll help us when we spot it in the film. Um, yeah. You know, it's a film that's been endlessly taken up by conservatives as like mm -hmm. uh, a, a, a thing to celebrate. And famously right, Reagan himself said, you know, like as in the film Back to the Future, you know, with America, like where we're going, we don't need roads. You know, like he, they, they, and apparently Reagan loved the film and he watched it several times. And Robert Zemeckis himself as a, as a director is a bit complicated as well because later he'll come out and produce Forrest Gump, which yeah, if you yeah. watch Forrest Gump seems like superficially or at least fairly deeply to me, a massive tract about two parallel paths through American life one of which where you're stupid and you go to war and you know and you everything is great and one of which where you get involved with the black panthers or the civil rights movement or um you know uh, hippie-ish tendencies or anything like that and you end up like beaten abused uh with stds and having to you know reconstitute yourself um <laughs> as a nurse later in your life like really quite overtly political shit right right, right. um so I think like it's it's worth having this frame in your head as you mm. go through this film, which to me, I never saw I, I never saw any of this stuff. But the, no, watching no. it through this time, it feels yeah. like there are there are edges and bits of complexity and and problems and stuff that you know like like trigger me a little bit. Mm. Yeah, I dig it. Um, I I dig it. But it's still a good film, and I love it. Don't hate me. <laughs> This is a safe space, Tom. We can we can we can talk about it. Um, so I do love. We go to the McFlies now, and this is our first introduction to Crispin Glover. Um, and this is just after Marty has told Jennifer that he won't be like his dad. Um, so Crispin Glover, um, he had done Facts of Life with Michael. Uh, oh, I didn't know knew, that. They knew each other from that. He also did River's Edge, Wild at Heart. I'm making my lunch. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, holy shit. Uh, and then, of course, famously, after this film, his various David Letterman appearances. I don't have these. You seem to be distraught. They don't. You seem to be distraught. People try to make me sound a lot weird, and yeah. I'm just, I'm strong, you know? I'm strong. I can arm wrestle. I, uh, do you want to arm wrestle? No. I've been taking, no. you know, I've been taking part. These aren't mine. I can, I can, I can kick. Okay. Okay. I, I'm, I'm going to go check on the top ten. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, disaster appearances, yeah. So he is so unreal in this film. Like every line, his laugh, his body language, um, and the way they set the story. Like even when he says, you know, I... Um, you know, I'm I'm not good at confrontations, and he's like flexing his hand as he's doing that, and yeah. so like the the setup to making the fist later. It's just 
amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, my complaint is that I think his dad is sort of unredeemable. <laughs> like, it's just sort of like, if this is your dad, man, it's like a, it's a wrap. Like, your dad is just too, your dad is just too horrible to like, you know, he's just like a real nevish and just, you know, you just got to write him off. You can't go back in time to save him. You just got to accept, <laughs> you just got to accept that, like, he's just. It didn't work weird. for him. It didn't work for him. You're going to go your own way. You should, you should be, thank yourself lucky that you're even there. Uh, yeah, exactly. exactly. I mean that bit went in the tree, which we'll get to. Yeah, your you dad's know, a creeper. <laughs> your dad's a straight creeper. I think this is the the other thing that, like, very quickly, the thing that I find odd about this film is that they really nail the family feel of the films in the second mm. and third one. But yeah. in this one, there's some shit, you know, like yeah. there's some there's some shooting, there's some being up in a tree, wanking yourself off at some nearby lady's window. Um, yeah. There's, um, I'm, I'm assuming. We don't know. Um, I don't know what you straight people do. We don't. <laughs> Hashtag not all straights. <laughs> you, know, <and> the, <laughs> you know, and then there's the basic sexual assault scene in the car at the end, and you're like, sure. oh, shit, this is, when I, you know, again, like, this is a lot more intense. And, uh, and, I, and again, like, it's like, I can't quite get my head around it, like, as an audience, are you supposed to sort of just be like, ha, 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 this is fun. You know, this is a, or this is a bit of threat, but I don't have to think about it too much. But like, if you do think about it at all, like with the being a peeping Tom thing, it's, yeah. it's not, not good. It's not pleasant. Yeah, there's a, it's, it, they do, this is like sort of the tightrope that the movie's on. Yes. It's, which, you know, it's, it's, it, it, there's a lot of stuff that is just creepy and weird if you look at it too much, but somehow it just kind of yeah. hoverboards above it, like with no, 100%. Without, with, without ever really, without ever really tripping you up because the movie's just like so perfect. Like it's just so perfectly crafted. Um, mm -hmm. It just, it's so propulsive. Uh, Michael mm -hmm. J. Fox is so compelling that like, you just don't, you, you don't need to like get too, you don't need to get too bothered about that. I mean, it's, it, it's worth getting bothered about it, particularly like the issues that Tom raised about like sort of this, you know, uh, romantization of like the fifties and eighties even of, of America. But um, it just kind of, it's just like the movie's not in dialogue with that in some no. way. No, I think that's right. I think that's right. And I think that's okay um, yeah. as well. Um, okay. If anything, I mean, one thing that strikes me is some, of, especially some of the dangerous elements towards the end, um, it feels risky uh, that, that and not what you would expect a, a major Hollywood story to, to try and uh, tackle yeah. uh, in that way. Yeah. Um, we also have the beautiful setup here of all of the interaction with Biff. And so literally line by line that is going to be recited back. Now, look, I'll uh, finish those reports on up tonight and I'll run them on over first thing tomorrow, all right? Hey, not too early. I sleep in Saturday. Oh, McFly, your shoes untied. Oh. <laughs> Don't be so gullible, McFly. Body language as, as he's doing stuff is, is really phenomenal. Um, but we also, this is where we have Lorraine as kind of a sad drinker mm -hmm. um, and saying, you know, I think it's terrible. I never chased a boy or sat in a parked car with a boy. I never um, sat in a parked car with a boy. <laughs> I, I never let a boy, boy run his hand up my leg. I never kissed yeah. a boy on the, on the penis. It's yeah. over you there. Know, like, my, it just seems like a little bit too much detail, mom. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But the story uh, of meeting George, uh, all of that set up there, and then, you know, of course, George's laugh uh, to close it out is, is fantastic. But now we cut to uh, you know, Marty waking up, and he's got to get to the Twin Pines Mall. Mm -hmm. So my notes just say, fucking iconic location. Like, yeah. this, when Marty pulls up, 
and we see Doc's car, uh, you know, Doc's van, and we see the truck, um, and that truck opens up, and we have the reveal of the DeLorean. As well as Doc, when he comes out and is immediately, you know, just a complete wild man, it's incredible. Here's my favorite thing about that, and I read about this this morning, and I think it's amazing. Um, DeLoreans have gullwing doors. Mm-hmm. Right? There is no way you can open a gullwing door car inside that van. Right. So the only uh-huh. way he could have done it is if he drove the car in there, he put the thing down, he uh-huh. reversed the car out by remote control, he got in the car, he drove it back in there, he remote controlled, closed the back of the van, <laughs> and then he waited... Waited and waited until until um, uh, Marty appeared so that he could open it again. There's there's no other way of doing it. It's That's it's great. it's beautiful. Love that. That's really good. That's funny. I've never even thought about that. Uh, originally, they wanted the the time machine to be a refrigerator, um, right? And it was later. What a, what a dumbass idea that is. <laughs> I mean, what next? A hot tub? Yeah. It's just like, that's a terrible notion. Why not make it be this ridiculous car made out of aluminum? So, Jason, <laughs> if you're going to have a DeLorean, uh, yeah. which is an incredible science, you know, kind of very science fiction-y car, but you yeah. need to reflect it being a time machine, there's only one person that you can call, and that is, of course, the hero of Jodorowsky's Dune, Star Wars, Alien, Raiders, Aliens, The Abyss, Total Recall, Firefly, Southland Tales, and Conan, (laughs) Ron Cobb. Ron Cobb. Welcome back to Escape Hatch. God legend. Uh, Yeah. So his design is so beautiful. The thing, like the engine thing sticking out the back, the flux capacitor, Mm -hmm. all of the kind of very physical, uh, the switches and everything. Yep. was so amazing. So they had three DeLoreans with varying detail on the interior and the exterior. Um, and it's just a phenomenal, like it, the greatest prop in cinema history. Yeah. It's well, come on, let's not get too excited, but it's a strong one. It's a very strong, it's a very strong piece of uh piece of movie making. I mean, have, have you seen one in real life? Cause obviously there, I have one, one of crystal's relatives owns one mm. and there's like uh there's like some sort of delorean like owner you know group or whatever and they all get together like once a year for like a big you know like like whatever gathering of the juggalos for for deloreans <laughs> <laughs> and i talked to them about it at some family function and it was fascinating uh, yeah, a friend, uh, I was driving around um, uh, the mission, I don't know, about 10 years ago, and there was just a fucking DeLorean all made up to go travel back in time going down the street. And it was amazing, frankly. It just, you know, like it's a part of your your subconscious erupting into the world. And I, yeah. I think a friend a friend of ours, I think mine anyway, Scott Schiller, who's ex of Slack and Flickr, he's... Oh, he's, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. He decided to, to use some of his... Um, you know, slack thousands, slack slack thousands on a, on getting a, a, and it's such, and he has such fun. He drives around the place and just parks at places with the door open and and lets everyone, and 
And you think it's going to be, and of course, like part of you thinks, oh yeah, and all the kids can come and look at it, but the kids don't fucking know what it right. is. No, they don't know what right, it right. is. Right, right. No, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's us. All the 50 year olds going, like, exactly. wow, man, you've got a DeLorean. It's incredible. You can get one. <laughs> I mean, they're not like, unex- they're not like, you know, inaccessible to buy. Like, they're, you know, it's not like a six figure literally- car. He literally uses it to go and get his groceries, and I can't think of anything weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Going to like Whole Foods car park and seeing a DeLorean uh, just part there. I think the That's maintenance a- would be challenging. But yeah, uh, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Um, so I love all this doc explaining how things are going to work and kind of demonstrating the whole thing. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits eighty-eight miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. Uh, you know, we'll get, we'll get more into Christopher Lloyd, uh, in just a minute, but so, so him setting the date to the day he invented time travel, um, which of course he knows exactly what he is doing in terms of setting that date there. Um, we don't know that yet, but, uh, it's, it's great there. So now we have the Libyans. So (laughs) let me just be clear. Escape hatch denounces the racist stereotypes used here. Like this is definitely not cool. Um, and I understand the shorthand, the Hollywood shorthand of what they're doing here. I don't think these guys were Libyan also. (laughs) That's what they said. The Libyans. Yeah, no, I'm just saying, like, I'm saying oh, the actors, the actors, the actors were Libyan. I think they might have been like Mexican. Like, yeah, right. (laughs) Very fair. Very fair. Um, but this is so amazing with the doc getting shot, uh, you know, and Marty screaming, jumping in the car. Like the stakes of this are so high. Yeah. Um, but then the chase, and this is the first time we really get the full score by Alan Silvestri. Holy shit! Let's see if you bastards can do 90. Yes, the score is so good. It's like, you know, in the in the pantheon of 80s scores, it obviously isn't your, you know, your Indiana Joneses or your Star Warses. It's not, you know, it's not it's not in that conversation, but of the of the next tier, it is a real banger and deserves deserves special note um, for how much it contributes. I think there's something really interesting. I mean, it's it's actually quite a short sort of sting, isn't it? Like the actual chord, ba 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 ba, and they yeah. and they use it a lot, but they don't normally resolve it. They just do like ba 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 ba, and you're like, ah, what's going to happen next? You know, yeah. and they just keep yeah. doing that kind of thing. Um, and I, I, in this rewatch, I really noticed how they really like they bring it out about four times, three four times. Yeah, like yep. at this bit here during the, the chase. skateboard chase. Yep, yep. You know, um right at the end you know um and every single time it does it it really is crazy good striking the the energy just goes like fucking insane yeah yeah. i think the other thing that's really interesting about this this bit to me and it connects to the music is that i keep thinking now about like how would you do this today how would you how would they have put this on film today and the truth is the actual time travel bit is instantaneous it's done Right. right 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 and the entire like you're 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 so excited. All you want it to do is to go back in time. Like, and he keeps going up the speed and then pulling back on the brakes and swerving around things. And he goes like, "Oh, I'll see if you people can do ninety or whatever." And he like slams it down. And all of that time, you're like, <gasps> "Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah." And the music's yeah. like plowing into it. And and that whole sequence is great. And then the <laughs> you're in the past. 
yeah. now today, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. feel like it would be it would exactly be the opposite thing. way around, right? Right, the, right? The going to the past would be like right. 40 seconds whole, of lunatic yeah, imagery. You know? Go a whole, they do a whole right? thing. Totally, play the, totally. Play the music for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yet it's more tense and more exciting because they've got this perfect sting of music and this very clear car chase... Yeah. Um, um, and this anticipation for the time travel, which is you, this keeps like pulling back at the last minute, so that you you know, and then it's boom, you're there. It's so That's good. good. It's, yeah. it's it's definitely perfect. Uh, the the way that they constructed that that whole thing, and and so so shout out to Alan Silvestri who did the score. Going back to a film I saw in the theaters in the '70s, The Amazing Dobermans about a, a group of trained Dobermans that like uh, fought crimes uh, and like uh, and ran around. He also did the inspiration for the Bloodhound Gang. <laughs> he also did uh, Flight of the Navigator. Do it next Amazing. month. Oh, classic. oh my god! Predator, Mac and Me, mm-hmm. The Abyss. Speaking Mac of, and me. Forrest Gump, Long Kiss Goodnight. Yeah. One of the greatest uh, scores in cinema history. Contact. Mm-hmm. Absolutely okay. amazing. Contact is uh, a good score. And the Avengers. And the Avengers. Which is fine. Jeez Louise, man. This Silvestri, he's a little he's a little John Williams Jr. Huge. Huge. All right. So so boom, we go through. We're in 1955. Immediately, you know, going to the farm, the practical uh DeLorean crashing into the barn um, with a few frames removed to speed it up uh, a little bit is great. Um Right, and so I, we have to talk about we have to talk about the timing now. We have to we have to like so they went back thirty years. This is the moment. If we did it today, where would we be? Yeah, we exactly. Ninety three. Ninety three. That's the way love goes by Janet Jackson is in the charts. I've looked this up. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, the top movie of the year, Jurassic Park. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Bill Clinton was president. John Major was prime minister of the UK. Uh, you, us three, were probably on the internet, but very few other people were. Yeah. Um, the web had been invented, but NCSA Mosaic had only just come out. Uh-huh. Um, texting hadn't been invented. Um, uh, Mrs. Doubtfire and Schindler's List were out. And homosexuality was decriminalized in Ireland. Just to <laughs> give you it. some sense of how recent <laughs> yeah. some of these fucked up things happened. Wow, uh, that's great. That's um, great. 93 was a good year for me in general. Uh, <laughs> that was, it was, it was a... It was, I Me was too. like on IRC in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. I had a 2400 baud modem. Um, Ooh, huh. I was doing high school debate. Um, I, I was probably, I may have still been wearing a trench coat, actually. I might have been <laughs> still in my, uh, like an early trench coat phase. That was a so good your kids time. Are, had, you know, your kids are too like, young for this, but if they had a tiny micro kitty DeLorean, that's where they'd have gone to find you. They'd have met you then. Mm. Yeah, I just learned how to drive. But it's wild to it's wild to think of that that delta uh, from eighty five to fifty five. Uh, it seems like a huge amount of change versus ninety three to today. Yes, it does. But also at the same time, looking at it now, I kept thinking how weirdly similar nineteen fifty five and ninety yeah. five were. Like <laughs> you know, compared to like. Right? You know, you're just looking at it going, well, they don't have phones. They don't have the internet. They don't have, yeah. you know, no one has a computer. Right, um, right, right. You know, right. They've, got a, they, they, they've got a car and Walkman, and that's about the... Li- you know, when I, I my, my grandfather first saw someone with a Walkman when I was a teenager, 
because the the kid just sort of walked out in the middle of the road without looking both ways. And my father was, my grandfather was like, "What the hell's going on with young people today?" They have, like, that was like the height of technology in 1985, like the camcorder, mm. the Walkman, and like the height of technology in 1993 was the cassette-based adapter that you would plug into your car. Um, so that you could play your disc man. Oh, yeah. What a Hell what yeah. a dream. That thing was amazing. Were many discs out then? No, they weren't. That's like no, it was just CD, just CDs. But like the mm. that was a, that was a real move. Um, this yeah, is before CDRs. This is like this is you're buying CDs for eighteen dollars and uh, yeah. There was such a it was like the reason why eighty five and fifty five feel so similar is because there was such a fetishization of the Eisenhower era during the Reagan era. Like it was this like, oh, you, that's know, interesting. like you know, we need to go back to the happy days era um, because that's when things were simpler or whatever. So like, it, like they, they ended up consciously sort of uh, aping like some nostalgic vibe of that time and have, have kind of merged mm. into one kind of false, false history. Yeah, I find this, I, I find it tricky kind of, cause again, like part of me is like 1955 and 85 feels like a, transformative chasm and right and then and then i look at like the 90s and i'm like because i'm super old i think i was an adult then that didn't seem that different there were computers mm -hmm. i had email you know like yeah uh, um uh but like and so you, you see what i mean like a, part of me is like um these two periods seem weirdly more similar to each other than to now uh, at the same time there's a gulf between them that I don't experience from now to the nineties, but is that just because I was there? You know, is that just because it feels familiar? I assume that the nineties in the UK was like the 1970s or something here. That it was <laughs> no, just no, no, like... no, 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 no. The nineties well, in the UK just... was really fucking good. We had Britpop, oh, um, we had uh, a Labour that's government, uh, we had Cool Britannia. It was yeah. all the up and up and up and up after quite depressing um, 15 that's years true. of, right, 150 years of Margaret Thatcher. I retract because of the Britpop. This was like, yeah, like the 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 uh, you know UK invasion of comics and music yeah. and everything was in. Was we had in Spice swing. Girls. You didn't have the fucking Spice Girls, or at least you did have the Spice Girls because we gave them to you. You lucky, lucky bastards. We appreciate your your, <laughs> your return on the lend lease in the form of Spice Girls. <laughs> it is weird to think about twenty fifty three, right? As the next as the next job. Oh for my now. god! Um, so yeah. we'll I'm see how that. We'll see how that how that all comes out. Yeah, we'll see. So you know, I love the the pulp sci-fi homages with him. You know, the car looking like a spaceship and his his radiation suit. Um, and of course, we have you know the farmer, you space bastard, you killed my pine, <laughs> and him having to hide the car because it's out of juice and heading into uh, Hill Valley. So I think we really have covered this this pretty well. I do love the uh, Mister Sandman song. just awesome yeah it is a good song um and also the texaco station with mm -hmm. all the attendants um the production designer uh who on this film who was lawrence g paul who did among other films blade runner romancing the stone predator 2 and naked gun 33 and a third mm -hmm. um he said that Texaco sent him all the specs for the gas station. They had somewhere a drawer, um, and so they literally just built nice. it exactly. This is all on the Universal back lot, um, mm -hmm. and it's just an unbelievable set. It is 
Have you Amazing. guys ever been there? Like they did tours. I, I remember when I was I like 19, we went around there and it was like you would write in there. Yeah, I had a confusing thing about this. This goes in the file of things my father lied to me about, um, because the screenwriter was <laughs> uh, was from St. Louis, as we previously covered. Bob Gale, yeah. And like, I somehow interpreted that, um, like, that this was supposed to be St. Louis or was set in St. Louis, and was like, you know, like, oh, like the lions, like at the entrance to the. Yeah, housing development. The development it was like there was meant to be some like reference to a thing in St. Louis and University City where the the screenwriter is from, and so I had like sort of internalized that this was like either in St. Louis or meant to be St. Louis, and like for a long time was like trying to like make that make sense until I eventually realized, wait, this is just a this is <laughs> this is a backlot. This is not real. This is not in St. Louis. This is anywhere. Um, so it took me a long long time to unwind. Did you also one. think Poltergeist was in St. Louis? Possibly. Uh, I was lied to about a great many things for a long time. <laughs> you only move the headstones! <laughs> yeah. uh, so, uh, so I love Marty going into um, the diner, and this is where we see George and right. Biff coming in. And so the body language of Marty and George being perfectly synced up as they turn around to look at Biff mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and, and the shock, I love that. Um, all of the payoff of recreating the exact line for line, uh, you know, dialogue with Biff and, and George mm -hmm. is really fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, it just, God, it just works. So yep. I did want to ask about... Um, Marty telling Goldie that he should be the mayor. Mm -hmm. To me, this was like the only thing, the only setup that didn't really pay off. Like, I mean, it's fine. He's the mayor and he plants that idea for him to become the mayor. Um, the mayor. But I thought there was going to be some like aha moment, bigger payoff to that that didn't come. There's some weirdness to that. Like one part of this is, I think earlier you said, well, obviously um, Doc knows that he has to send Marty back to the, the, the 50s. And mm -hmm. I was like, does he, you know, like, uh, is, you know, is this a loop or is this like a divergent timeline as they'd say in, in two, you know, and he comes back like in the first one, it seems to me, he doesn't know that he's supposed to send Marty back. He just types in the thing. Marty goes back and then he, you know, tells people to do things and Goldie Wilson becomes mayor, but Goldie Wilson is already mayor before he leaves. And so it's like, there's some kind of, is this, has he, in, like, we get a bunch of these things, right, where has he intervened and changed things, or is this the natural unfolding of time? Right. So uh, he, and sometimes he has, they're really creepy. Oh, H, H is, H is going to answer definitively what happened. Okay. Well, so, again, you have either the, uh, you have either the closed time loop um, where it's all consistent, um, or you have a divergence. Um yeah. Terminator, Terminator being the perfect example of a closed loop where it's just one time running through that happens to go back. You know, people go for the past. But this is clearly a divergence, right? Because they end in a different place. Well, it starts out, uh, it seems like, uh, it seems like seemingly it is a closed loop, but then it is revealed that it is divergent. Um, and one of the cool things for everything, everywhere, all at once, because at the end of the film, Marty arrives back and he sees himself and the doc getting shot in the same way. Yeah. But we know, of course, that all the other circumstances are different, right? Biff and, uh, and George. So and clearly the Marie second time round, he's, you know, the doc, the doc definitely knows. 
that he's sending it back. No, the doc knows the first time. The doc definitely I has. Don't, I don't. The doc don't definitely know. has. Has he's got the letter. Should, no, he knows, but this. So this. He reality, can't do it the first time. He can't do it the first time because he hasn't gone through. He hasn't been given the letter yet. He does because he sent Marty back. So I think. I think this is another. This is a reality where, uh, at the end. This is a reality that is the same in the instance of Marty being there and everything else is different in the sense of George having unfolded uh, in a different way. Oh, I think this is going to be an interesting conversation for the community. And an near adjacent. Um, okay, Jason. Are we canceling uh, Are we canceling the podcast on the first episode? Is that what that is? <laughs> well, tiebreaker, we Jason. Did, did Doc know? Did he have the Did he have the letter in his pocket? The first time around. I didn't. I didn't think. I don't think he knew. I. I at least I've never what? watched the movie. I've never watched the movie. Sort of like with that, like with that reality in mind i'm not saying maybe it's you know i guess it could be uh i guess it could be read that way i understand what you're saying but to me that seems like a little bit like there's no real acknowledgement that that's true there's no like kind of there's no like winking towards that and i just feel it's a little too clever for the style of the movie so you think he's dead he's just dead in that in that reality he's dead i think in the first loop round he's just dead yeah 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 He's dead and Marty leaves and never comes back, right? In your right. in your reality there. Well, I think it, I think I think this is But that reality's collapsed. Yeah. No, exactly. it's just like it just keeps going on its own on its own path. That's so depressing. I think this is why this theory of time travel doesn't really work in the movie. Like they're trying to kind of do Jeez. it. Jeez. You guys are dark. <laughs> it's a dark movie. You got got. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a dark movie that they just skip past so quickly that you think it's fine. I love uh, the way the plutonium looks, by the way. We didn't talk about that, but sexy looking plutonium. Clear? Yeah. yeah. That's good. <laughs> yeah, it looks like uh, like orange orange liquid. All right, so we talked about George peeping in the street. Um, and so Marty, uh, when he falls in the street, Marty saves him. Then he gets hit instead. And so this is a great setup here. Lorraine, like the, rev the reveal of Leah Thompson in all of her glory, like me at 15 Beautiful. yeah whether it's this Leah thompson film, made an impression howard the duck yeah space camp like yeah. i could not have been more in love with leah thompson like physically impossible leah thompson definitely made an impression uh, uh mid 80s on mid 80s young goldman for sure it's it's leah and it's and it's um it's winona Ryder. like that's it yeah. Winona Ryder made an impression on absolutely everyone. As an English yeah, exactly. gay man, she blew my fucking head off. So. <laughs> right. Un unreal. We she's so we horny. Yeah, she's so she's really <laughs> horned up in this movie. <laughs> she's been kept in this house with all these kids, these terrible siblings, and she just <sighs> will take any dude falling just, out of just, a tree. She's down <laughs> DTF. DTF. Yeah, she's ready. Anyone anyone her dad runs over and brings in. <laughs> Hey, that nightingale effect, you know. <laughs> takes gonna, off her pants. Uh, she off has no pants. control. You know what yeah. women are like. If they see a man and they and the man gets hit by a car, they That's have it. to have sex with them. It's over. Yeah. All right. Well, let's 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 get into some architecture talk. So Marty gets out of the house and he makes his way to Doc's house. So Jason, you know obviously which house this is. No, I do not. This is the Gamble House in Pasadena. It's a three-story, 6,100-square-foot structure built in 1908 by the brothers Charles and Henry Green. Okay. Green and Green. Okay. Uh, for David and Mary Gamble of Procter & Gamble. Oh, okay. Um, All right. Good-looking house. It's like the ultimate, ultimate craftsman. Gorgeous, gorgeous house. Gorgeous house. Yeah. 
and go there for the Rose Bowl parade, what have you. <laughs> that's, that's it for Pasadena for you. Yeah, that's all I got on Pasadena. <laughs> so Christopher Lloyd, let's get into it. An absolute force of nature. Yeah. His face um, and Zemeckis uh, basically said the key for him was playing it straight uh, without any irony. And apparently for all rehearsals, he did them at 10%. And then as soon as the camera came on, it was 100%. Take after mm -hmm. take after take. What are we going to do? We got to do, you know what we got to do is we got to do Who Framed Roger Rabbit. That's like a real. Uh, Ooh, that's, a, that's interesting. Wow. That's a good one. That's a good one we should do. Um, Hoskins. Yeah. Yeah, Christopher Lloyd is just extraordinary, isn't he? He's like, yeah. there's, there's such a, there's such a kind of, I, it, it's, it must be really hard to have something with that kind of, yeah. How to put it? Like he's actually, you know, he's clearly acting a character who yeah. is interesting, involved, engaged, passionate, enthusiastic, caring, and yet he's also twelve times more extreme than you would expect any any human. I mean, there's that bit later where he just goes, "We've got to send you back." To the future, and he just looks right at the camera and points yeah. right at the yeah. camera and goes like, like <laughs> yeah. you, you're gonna go send you there, fucking there, you know. Yeah, it's, I don't know who it's, we have that like sort of uh, executes on the Christopher Lloyd wavelength anymore. Like uh, it's like, I mean Jim Carrey, like back in the day, Jack Black a little bit maybe. Like I, I don't know. He's just like Jake, his, his, Jake Gyllenhaal, and some of his stuff is like what? really, really out there. <laughs> huh? Uh, Nightcrawler? Did you see that? Oh my god, that's amazing! That's true. That is an incredible film, yeah. and that is pretty hardcore, um, extreme character. <laughs> oh, oh my god, it's great. Uh, so, like again, payoffs here. Like Marty showing, you know, showing the doc that his girlfriend loves him, and it's the yeah. note that has the clock tower uh, details of when the lightning is going to strike. Again, I mean, it's so fucking perfect, right? Like he's just literally talking about we can't send you back because we don't right. have the energy, and and he goes, you know, like I was, you know, just and he just segues in the next sentence to talking about his girl, pulls up the paper, yeah. The number on the back is the sign of the thing, and then he's like, "Oh my god, the money and the, the, the power!" And it's just like it's just effortlessly oh. every single. This is I literally this is the pit where I wrote down like the pacing of this movie is, ex is extraordinary. It's lean as fuck. Every scene sets up something or pays it off. Yeah, you know, like it's borderline impossible to analyze it because it's so intricate and and every single line. You know, mm. this is a perfect bit where the sequence goes from one point where they don't know what they're doing and they have no plan to a point where the plan is f almost fully outlined and they do it in the, the pace of about four lines and it seems inevitable. Every single thing leads inexorably to this point. And they do one little bit of showing the photo um, and boom, we have the setup for Marty disappearing. And yep. like, so that's going to propel the next set of having to go get George back on track. Um, and I love this going in and learning that George wants to write sci-fi and Marty empathizes. Oh, and I didn't know you did anything creative. Uh, let me read something. Oh, no, 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 no. I never, I never let anybody read my stories. Why not? Well, what if they didn't like them? What if they told me I was no good? I guess that would be pretty hard for somebody to understand. Uh, no. No, not hard at all. I love that. Uh, I love Marty standing up to Biff. Um, but then 
Marty going to get him as Darth Vader uh, using Edward Van Halen's Out the Window. Yeah. <laughs> it's hilarious. But this whole thing of like this shot of him standing there, to me, is so iconic. Like it, the framing of that shot is amazing. What in the um, radiation suit with the, yeah. the Walkman over his head? Exactly. The lights behind him. No, I mean yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's it looks good. It looks beautiful. Good. Iconic, yeah. iconic. So now we have you're my density. So him my talking, density. George oh, this, this to go is in painful. There. Yeah, mm. this, this hurts watching this shit. Yeah. Don't I know one. you from somewhere? I'm George McFly. I'm your density. I mean your destiny. Yeah. <laughs> You do get a little bit of Lorraine softening in that moment. Like there is a bit of connection between her and George, true, even yeah. though he is totally goofy. And I love um, how they how they build on that. Yeah. And now I'm stuck on George. And now I'm stuck on like there's a gif of Christopher Lloyd from Star Trek, and it's tripping me out because I <laughs> he was in. I forgot he was in Cleon. That's not great. That's not yeah. a great movie. Um, so Marty, uh, your gif shows. Biff shows up to make to make trouble, um, and Marty punches the shit out of Biff. Turns out Biff not that tough. Uh, you know no. he gets punched out a lot in this. Yeah. Um, but this chase is so great. Him inventing skateboarding. Yeah. Again, the score, as you called out, uh, is really good, uh, and this is just a fun chasing. Exactly. All right. And again, like it's it's a high concept sci fi movie with a time traveling car and. Like two or three of the major like bits where they bring out the iconic music, I like him running around on little a little goofy, little goofy, goofy things. Yeah, skateboard. yeah, yeah, like rips you know, off a milk carton and like yeah, yeah. Like, tiny and it a hundred percent works. And if you get and you you made that film today and put it in front of test audiences, they'd be like, I'm, I'm sorry, what? Like you know, you're giving me <laughs> this is your this is your action scene. Yeah, it's a really interesting question. Of like, if you put this movie like in front of, if you, if like, there's no context, someone made this movie, what would happen? I, I, I don't know. I just don't know. I don't know if we, if we can, if we can watch this one. Do kids watch it today? I don't know. I mean, in my house, they will. <laughs> they can live in the I, yard <laughs> with the with I the bowl. It's interesting. I kind of, I wonder a bit. Like for me, it's not the most loved one, but. But two is the, my favorite because, uh, and, I, and they at the time they said it was also technically complicated. But I think like people's brains have evolved a bit over the last thirty years, and I don't think people would find it particularly intellectually challenging at all. Uh, like you know, the first one is like the purest. Right. The weirdest thing about the first one, I think, is that it's basically like kind of four things at once. When I was a kid, I really didn't give a crap about any of the feelings or about the father and the mother are getting together or anything like that. I just wanted to see the car. I yeah, just wanted right. to see the car and the time traveling bits and Michael J. Fox was cool and I liked that, you know. I right. can imagine at the same time, like the parents were watching the nostalgia, you yeah. know, and yeah. the, the later teenagers were like dealing with the, the coolness of Michael J. Fox being awesome um, and identifying with that. Um, and you sort of get like in the film, it you know, we're... we're we're roughly approaching like one of the first climaxes, mm -hmm. um, and then yeah. there's like there's like the the romantic 
human climate story is like embedded in the middle of this larger like the yeah. framing device is the sci-fi yeah, story. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and you know, like I think it's good. Like in a weird way, it's really good that it ends with it starts and ends with the sci-fi story and the cool nowness because that's yeah. the stuff that you know your major audience. You know, your your cool um, during the summer kids getting off school and going to the cinema are getting getting off on. But the reason it's lasted, I think, is the fact that it does all of these things concurrently. Yes. That generations at different points can can slot in and find their, the, the part of the story that means most to them. Mm. 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 So we do get, as we start to move towards the finale here, as you're calling out, and, it, and that, that weaving is kind of the, the whole substrate of this thing. Um, you have Doc with his plan of how they're going to send it back uh, with the lightning strike. I love this line. Now, let me show you my plan for sending you home. Please excuse the crudity of this model. I didn't have time to build it to scale or to paint it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So good. <laughs> it's good. Uh, one of us. One of us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then Lorraine shows up and says that, you know, what she really wants is someone who will protect her. Um, and so Marty comes up with his plan, telling George, if you put your mind to it, you can do anything. And now, Tom, to the point that you had earlier, it's Saturday night now. And I remember I like stopped the movie and there was still 40 minutes left. But I was like, oh shit, it's Saturday night. Like we are right, now we're here. We're in the last. Yeah. Act. This yeah. is just going to run now. Uh, right. And it is really awesome um, that you have, you know, Marty writing the letter to Doc, um, but then going to the enchantment under the sea. This song, like from the moment they're there. Yep. Like I have, it's so ingrained in my brain. Oh, every, yeah, yeah, me too. Sure. Every yeah. single bit. And George Did is you a guys have the tape? Did you have the tape? Did you have the soundtrack tape? I think you mentioned earlier you might I have done. Must, I had the Huey Lewis one. I must have had yeah. the soundtrack. Did. Yeah. I 100% had it and I played it all the time and I loved it, you know. Really great. But so Marty and Lorraine in the car, her drinking, her smoking, um, her dress. Holy Come on, shit, Lorraine. I almost died. Jesus. Um, together. <laughs> But this is that this is the one moment where Marty says, "You ever know you're supposed to do something, but then you're not sure you can do it." Um, and so, like that was that was pretty intense. But when they kiss, and the look on his face when he's like shaking yeah. like a rabbit, yeah, is so funny. It's so uh, funny, and it works. Yeah, it's good. It it's shouldn't. Good. It should. It it started <laughs> it started an entire genre that has uh, has taken the world by storm a mere thirty years later. But yes, oh my god, holy shit! Uh, so so that is that. But then we have Biff and George. So again, I was this. My notes just said this is pretty dark. Um, oh yeah, and like how aggressive he is being and how she is pleading. Yeah, uh, for him to help. Um, yeah. But then him standing up and when his arm is being broken, when he makes the fist and he punches the shit out of Biff and he's just like, he's shaking, he's laughing. And then he realizes to reach out to her. Like that is just magic. Yeah. That whole moment. It's good. It's good. It's a good act of violence. <laughs> it's good. Which is it's again a- kind of weirdly 80s in that like, you know, a bit of force will, will you know you punch the bad guys and you win and yeah. you've won the moral victory that's right but like then then he but then and, and that feels like really strange and like there's particular now and there's again this part of this like how is the how are we supposed to read bits of this film now like you know is this film telling us that 
um, self-determination, rugged individualism and violence against bad people is the way to be American. You know, like, is, is that what's sort of happening? But then he sort of goes, like, are you okay? In this incredibly, like... Tender. Sensitive way. And, and you can 100% see why she'd go for it. Like, it, and because it, it is... He's not trying to be boorish and win. You know, like, he's, you know, he's... He got angry... Not because Biff attacked him, because he's used to that. Right. He got angry because Biff was just like laughing and abusing and felt power, completely powerful over someone that he cared about. Right. And really, weirdly, throughout the rest of the film, there's really been no evidence at all that he gives a shit about Lorraine, except that he wants to look at through her window and observe her boobs. Yeah. You know, but like, you know, at that moment, you buy that he actually cares about her at a sort of significant level. And and is a kind of decent person and and and, and like that literally that's kind of emotion I, and all the you know the orchestra kicks in a bit there it's proper emotional yeah well so so in the 80s from the uk you know like is biff in this situation like the falklands or... i was gonna say i was gonna say that is, is biff biff is the biff is the sandinistas and we needed, it, we needed we needed we needed to trade arms to help fund the Contras to fight Ollie, that. Ollie North is like the kid who's like, hey, who's that? It's George McFly. <laughs> I, see, I, I actually just find it really, I find it really weird that you guys find this so funny. Like there is, some, I know I'm not going to be melodramatic about this, but there is some, like, this film is weird, right? This film has yeah. been. No, no. Like, it we is, loved it. It's completely straight down the line brilliant. I fucking yeah. adored it as a child. I love it now. I think it's amazing. But the fact that it was taken, you know, it was literally used. It's, to this day, it is used as like an icon of conservative values. You know, no, yeah, I don't yeah, get yeah. fuck those people. Like, I don't give a shit about them. Yeah, yeah, like, they they can true. try and take what they want, but they they can get fucked. I but, to me, I yeah. I'm more concerned about just the notion of it. It is really scary in that in that yeah, moment. Yeah, uh, it it is scary. It is dark. Um, and I do like to me the tenderness and the and and you know her reaction like it I don't know it it, it definitely works, um, and and I love the notion that again they're immediately rippling things out you know hey George have you ever thought about running for class president um, as we see destiny or density unfolding in in a whole new way um, you do have one last thing it's kind of weird we have this big climax of him punching him but then we have to have malachi get interest you know get introduced here to try and take um lorraine away from him on the dance floor and then he has to come again and push him like that's that's kind of like a weird extra double yeah it's a bit of a hat on a hat it's unclear why that it's 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 unclear why we got it well i think it's to get him on stage isn't it you have to get marty on stage to pay off the music yeah um marty has to play the guitar in a significant moment they they have to kiss and they can't just walk in and do that because there's no tension to it so you know they they go in and then something else has to temporarily but briefly disrupt it and then very briefly and then when they kiss, really for the first time in this film, apart from the, the normal sting, you get this absolutely welling Swell, up, cascading yes. orchestra fucking everywhere. And, you know, like, you know, just destroyed, completely destroyed, absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And then he just sits bolt upright. Right back up. And he's strumming around. <laughs> And he's fucking happy and everything is And great. Marvin, Marvin's like so stoked when he stands up. He's like looking over his shoulder. He's like, yes, we got him. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. So then he says, all right, let's play something that cooks. Uh, he says, all right, this is a blues riff and B. Watch me for the changes. Try to keep up. And we have yeah. Johnny be good. Um, yeah. 
terrific performance here. Um, I love that during the solo, as he is getting out of control, he references Pete Townsend, Jimi Hendrix, Chuck Berry, obviously with a duck walk, um, but really, really fun. Um, and then, as you said, he goes to his own place. He's totally overindulgent. He loses control. Nobody likes it, but he feels fine. Yeah. And mm -hmm. he's learned the lesson that it's okay as long as you're true to yourself, put it out there. That bit there is why Michael J. Fox is so brilliant and why he's so cool because yeah. every single thing he's doing there is mortifyingly embarrassing. Like he's on set, like writhing on the floor, like, you know, playing with himself with this guitar, like completely out of his head. And you don't care and you still like him. And uh, you're not, you're not like, you're a bit mortified on his behalf, but you know, you'll get through it. You don't, you yeah. know, he's, he's just able to do these things with, with, with like no shame. Like he's just like, he's cool enough to like suck it up and get through the whole thing. Uh, and I don't, I don't know. I mean, stick fucking Eric Stoltz in there, see how he does. <laughs> Chuck, Chuck Berry, also a uh, St. Louis native. Uh, really? Yes. Uh, uh, significantly, the St. Louis vibes in this movie are strong. Although I was yeah, lied to although about he obviously was inspired by a, a, a white Californian for all of his musical styles. Exactly, exactly. Uh, the final goodbye with George and Lorraine, like I was definitely weepy uh, through all of that. Like I just, I, wow. I love that that connection. Uh, the first with them tears there. of Escape Hatch have been yes. shed. Yes, but now we move over to the clock tower. So you have this beautiful, touching moment between Marty and the doc. In about 30 years, I hope so. Don't worry. As long as you hit that wire with a connecting hook at precisely 88 miles an hour, the instant the lightning strikes the tower, everything will be fine. Right. Yeah, everything will be fine. <laughs> that line that read pulls, to me is that, it's amazing. A wild, it's a wild Perfect. line read. He puts a lot on it. A lot it's of mustard so on good. the hot dog. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. Uh, yeah. But so now we have, you know, ripping up the letter is so great uh, because obviously he knew at the beginning of the film, as we've established what was going on, he had the letter. Um, <laughs> but this whole, this whole finale <laughs> no, he, here. He back to the future does. Jason, the, the doc inside the clock, uh, giving Hudsucker vibes. Oh, giving Hudsucker vibes. I like that. I like that. An homage. Yeah, his performance is very broad, right? Up on the... Yeah, you know, he's doing it. Yeah, it's a ah! whole vaudeville-like kind of thing, yeah. But the tension between the car not starting and, like, the hook on his leg, it's... It's so much. Yeah. Uh, there's there's this whole bunch of theories on the internet, which I really love, which say that the car not working, the car always stops working at a place where it could break the time loop. Because mm -hmm. it can only, you know, it, it'll only, because so like, he, if he, he drives, he, they, they zoom into the past. If he then has the car and drives into town, it will destroy the, you know, the cost, you know, everything will be fucked, right? Um uh, at, at this point, he has to hit the, the the line with the electricity in at exactly the right moment, so it doesn't start until it won't start until he can do that because otherwise right. it break some kind of time loop. And it's like every and, and there's this, this whole sets of videos online about how the car every time the car doesn't work, it's because if it worked at that moment, 
uh, it would break the time loop. Right at the end, for example, uh, right, he zooms back into the present, uh, and it's 10 minutes away from the thing, and the car stops working. So he can has to run all the way to the thing and observe himself going back in time. Because if it didn't right. stop working then, he'd just drive there and talk to... to and there would be two of him in that place, and it would fuck things up. Mm. So I think it's... I think it's. I don't know if I believe it. I think it's... I think the more interesting... I think it's the more interesting read over the other read, which is they make the car break whenever it's difficult for the plot. But it's basically the same thing, right? Yes. I Yeah, I, I'm not going to give autonomy to the car or some deus ex machina that, <laughs> it's that the is universe. like stopping the, the universe. car. But... <sighs> it's Reagan. Reagan does it. Reagan, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You guys don't understand. It's all about politics. But it's so, it's so amazing building to that tension and then him finally going back to the present. Uh, going back to the future, um, I love that. And Doc's reaction, right, as he's cheering and uh, and excited. Um, but but eighty five looks so dingy. It looks so mm-hmm. trashed. Um, but and we see the terrorists drive past Marty's car that is stalled out. Yeah, Jason, did you get the speaking of butterfly effect? Did you get the Lone Pine Mall thing as a kid? At the time, as a child, no. Yeah. Like it was it was a meme, internet meme that explained that to me later. Yeah, yeah, same, yeah. same here. And it, and it doesn't matter. Um, like obviously, it gives you a little clue that you're in a different you're in a different reality now. It feels like the most like kind of over torqued Easter egg of all time at this point. I feel it's like it's like sort of like the thing that everyone mentioned that's like it's become like a a thing unto itself that and aragorn kicking the aragorn kicking the helmet yeah those are the two (laughs) things yeah that's good (laughs) one and two uh so uh it's really touching the two of them together uh you're alive how did you know i never got the chance to tell you what about the space continuum i figured what the hell yeah awesome dropping him off and taking off into the future and then the alarm going off to back in time. Classic, uh, you know, and him waking up and you don't know, was this a dream? What was happening? Be a Wizard of Oz situation. Boom, the rich furniture. Look at all that nice furniture they have. Right. <laughs> that's how you, that, that's that's what, when you are when you made it in the 80s, you have the good living room set. You, got you get the, the good, good beige yeah, taupe furniture. There yeah. was some mob, Jason. There was some mob. I think Lynch's, Lynch uh, Lynch's wife might have been involved. Uh, Everyone gets it. a car. Yeah. Everyone gets a car. You get a car. Yeah. So the first thing that struck me in ripping clips tonight, rewatching for like the third time, loser Biff is basically yeah. like a nice guy. Yeah. Hey, George and Mr. McFly and, and yeah. hey, Marty. Yeah. So he's, he's actually sh- come out as a as a better person. I've read two readings of that. One is that he's a better person, and the other one is that he's been absolutely humiliated and it's cruel. And I think I sit on the it's cruel and he's absolutely humiliated side. He's fairly mm. subservient. Like, he's kind yeah. of like, you know, he's sort of the houseboy. So, for, yeah. yeah. But again, lots of people out there, and I did a lot of research on this one because I was interested, like, do people think that's fair and good that that happened? And most most people think <laughs> he, Very good. he's... Most people don't think necessarily fair and good, but they think he they think he may be happier afterwards. You know mm. that actually beforehand he was terror he's always terrified about losing his job because um, George was doing all the work, and now he and then like and the the arc they go on is that um, the reason he got into auto detailing is because all the shit was in his car and he had to go and mm. learn how to fix things and did that stuff and found a career that he enjoyed. You know, mm. like people have this like you know overread this bit quite a lot, but to me he, he I I kind of. I don't think, you know, it feels like, again, feels pretty 80s. You know, we get a nice house, 
everyone, your kid gets a car and your enemies are subjugated and we hear the lamentations of their women. <laughs> well, good. not just any car. Uh, so yes, Marty's truck, that. 1985 Toyota Tacoma, four-wheel drive, SR5 extra cab in black. Mm. That mm. truck it's is It's a beautiful sick. truck. It's a beautiful it's pretty, truck. Pretty good. Yeah. As sick as hell. So Jennifer shows up and then boom, here comes Doc. I love Mr. Fusion. The idea that he's already modified the, the DeLorean just in, in a little bit of time. Um, but him saying, go ahead, get in the car. Doc, I just got here. Jennifer's here. Well, bring it along. This concerns her too. Wait a minute, Doc. Well, what are you talking about? What happens to us in the future? We become assholes or something? <laughs> no, 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 Marty. Both you and Jennifer turn out fine. Yeah. It's your kids, Marty. Something has got to be done about your kids. Hey, Doc, we better back up. We don't have enough road to get up to 88. Roads? Well, we're going. We don't need roads. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, the, I remember when I was a kid and I saw this, the do we become assholes line really stuck out because it was like, I was like, <laughs> that's a that's a real swear. Curse words used it. Yeah. <gasps> They yeah. really used a real swear in this movie. This is like Jason Buckaroo Banzai in terms of promising a sequel. Yes. And I remember thinking that as a kid, too. I was like, holy mm. shit. Like, when is the second movie coming? What happens now? Yeah. One thing I really like about this, um, having read uh, uh, it today, is that the position is that during this entire film, there are concurrently four separate DeLoreans in um, um, Hill Valley of the 1950s. Mm, there's, okay. There's there's the one he arrives with. There's yep. the one that, that there's the one that Biff steals in the future to take back there to give him the the um, uh, booklet. Right. There is um, uh, the one that then uh, Mike uh, then uh, Marty takes back from alternate 1985 right. to go and try and fix that. And then there's also the one buried underground um, in the mine. That uh, they um, that is put there in uh, in nineteen in eighteen eighty five in, in, in eighty five. Wow. So so I'll just say, Tom, I I watched two and three one time and just sort of like sat them aside and never rewatched. I saw well, them both in the, the, in the, the theater. I mean, come on. I love hoverboard, two. which is cool. I mean, it's, I read. I think two is brilliant. Um, I, when I was traveling around America when I was 19, uh, we went to Death Valley and they said the previous year on the same tra- trip that I've been on, um, all the Back to the Future crew had been filming in the, in Death Valley at the time, or Monument Valley, one of them. And uh, and that if I'd come a year earlier, we, we'd all hung out with them and, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. And I was so excited. I find three a bit flat. The only good thing about three for me is at the end, there's a, a steam train that flies, which is fucking yeah. great. Um, which just shows you where my instincts in, the, in these plots lie. I basically really like, I really like the car and the time travel and the you know the the future and the spaceships. We'll see. Um, maybe I maybe I'll revisit uh, and and report back. They're better than you think, and they're better than you remember. But they three, are not. They three are not as I literally only saw once. I've only saw once in the theater. I have no memory of three. I know there's a train in it. Three yeah. is. I mean, three is quite sweet uh, in that Doc. We had family, and that's right. nice. Uh, it's interesting in that you get to see this same town from like 1885, 1955, 1985, right. 2015, you know. Um, mm. 
uh, and the same kind of characters propping up in each ones. But yeah, mm. like, um, you know, the, as a self-contained thing, the first one is clearly the best. Yes, know. yes, I'll take it. Who would Tilda Swinton play? Tom, <laughs> you have to recast I mean, one it, role. I mean, it's got to be Doc Brown, isn't it? Oh, that's a I good mean, choice. That is clearly a very good choice. That's yeah. a great choice. That's a great mm. choice. She'd be she'd be really fun. It's hard to imagine taking Christopher Lloyd out of this movie, but she'd be really fun. I would put her in as that as that principal. Yeah, Strickland. I think she'd be. Uh, yeah, I think she'd be good for Strickland. Oh, That's she'd be great thought. at that. She could do that yeah. whole um, Snowpiercer role. She does. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was gonna say. I was gonna do Strickland. You're gonna say Strickland? Yeah, I guess I'll put her as Huey Lewis. Uh, <laughs> both like she's got to do the "You're Too Darn Loud" and she has to record uh, both songs. That works for me. I love that. Completely works. I would love to. I would love for her to seduce some Huey Lewis. <laughs> All right. Well, what do you say? Can we do some voicemails real quick? Let's do it. All right. Here we go. Here's the first one. The truth sayer. Yes, Beria here. The truthsayer survived the great hatching, barely. <laughs> yes, hatching. For this first truth-saying segment for Escape Hatch, we're going to be talking about the most iconic time-traveling storytelling from the 80s. Yes, it's Quantum Leap, Scott Bakula's <laughs> star-making TV show, which started in 1989. Here's three plot synopsis from Quantum Leap, where our hero, Dr. Sam Beckett, would travel through time, leaping into the bodies of people at crucial points in history, leaving Sam to solve the problem with some help from Dr. Yui himself, Dean Stockwell. Two of these are completely made up. The other was an actual show on actual television that people actually watched. Time for the truth saying. Number one, <laughs> Sam leaps into the body of a young woman who's about to be executed for a crime she didn't commit. She was framed by the legendary gangster Al Capone, and Sam has to find a way to prove her innocence. Number two, Sam leaps into the body of a pimply teenager in the 1980s who was being bullied by a bunch of drag racers. In the show, Sam somehow teaches a young Michael Jackson how to moonwalk in a public restroom. <laughs> or number three, Sam leaps into the body of a famous scientist in the 1940s who's on the verge of a major breakthrough. However, he's being threatened by a group of Nazi spies who want to steal his research. Which one of these stories is true? I'm going with number three. I'm pretty sure three is true. I'm pretty sure three is true. I'm going to go with two because I, I like it too much. <laughs> <laughs> How do we know? Is he going to tell us the results? Did Let's we know find the out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here yeah. we go. Well, which one of those Quantum Leap episodes was real? It was number two, the Michael Jackson what? story. The episode Damn had it? everything we loved about the 80s. Pimples, drag racing, bullying, alcoholism, oh, and time-traveling yeah. doctor who taught Michael Jackson how to do the moonwalk. The 80s were real. Wow. Here ends the truth saying. What a time. What the hell? <laughs> what a decade. <laughs> Oh, you guys, I don't know. I'm so glad B Biria made it with us. That's great. Thank you, Biria. That was incredible. Here's our next voicemail. Yes! You knew Silly had to get on here for the kickoff. H. Jason, you made it. Yeah. Welcome to my latest podcast. This is the big one. The one I've been waiting for all my life. Oh, well, it's a Doom movie, isn't it? What are you doing Bear with it? with me, Jason. All your questions will be answered. Roll tape, and we'll proceed. Uh, H, is that Denis Villeneuve? No, no, never mind that. Never mind that now. All right, I'm ready. Hey, everybody, it's H. It's Sunday morning, June 5th, 2020, 1.18 a.m., and welcome to the first ever episode of Doom Pod. 
All right, Tommy, get in there. All right, that a boy. Please note, Tom's clock is in precise synchronization with Riverside. Right. Check, H. Have a good trip, Tom. Watch your head. Watch this. My calculations are correct. This baby hits 151 episodes. You're going <laughs> to see some serious shit. <laughs> Jesus. Not me, the pod. The pod. <laughs> What did I tell you? 151 episodes Woo! of the podcast. Ow! The branding displacement occurred at exactly Monday, 8 p.m., June 2023, episode 151. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ, H, you disintegrated Tom. <laughs> I know he didn't like Gattaca, but you didn't have to go that far. Calm down, what Jason. I didn't disintegrate anything. The molecular structure of both Tom and the new Doom movie are completely intact. Then where the hell are they? Ah, you see, the more appropriate question is when the hell are they? You see, Tom has just become the world's first escape hatch guest. I sent him into the future. Three years into the future, to be exact. And at precisely episode 151, we shall catch up with him and the podcast. Wait a minute, H. Are you telling me that you built a film podcast? Out of a Dune movie? The way I see it, <laughs> if you're going to review movies on a podcast, why not do it with some style? Amazing. So great. Wow. I love I love the way my voice sounded in that, by the way. I would like <laughs> I would like that to be applied to my actual voice. Let's see if we can get that. You actually recorded for silly there. That was amazing. Yeah, I'm I'm willing to put in the willing to put in the efforts. Man, that is gonna take like some some multiple listens to to sort all of that out. <laughs> silly <lot> references. <laughs> amazing. That was great. All right, here we go. Here's our next voicemail. Hello, Escape Hatch. It's Kev here, beginning my ironclad contract to ask questions <laughs> on Escape Hatch every week. Look, um, it's been a long couple of weeks. I know you guys have been through a lot. Trust me, I have I have searched every recourse with my legal department, but I, I have no other choice. The questions must continue. <laughs> yes. And what a way to kick off the new show. Hey, Back to the Future, uh, seeing Back to the Future 2 on Stars. One Rainy Afternoon changed my life. Wow. And in my eyes, this first film is a stunning work of not just filmmaking, but engineering. I've had the good fortune to see Back to the Future on the big screen twice. Ah. And when you give yourself up to it and get kind of lost in it, no distractions, it, you find that it flows perfectly with so many details on the screen telling you the story without telling you the story. Eminently rewatchable, packed with details, an amazing film. Kev's question, it's been widely acknowledged that Marty and Doc have a strange friendship. And like many of the great things in films, we never quite get to the bottom of how it came to be. Yeah. Have you ever had a friend in your life whose existence in your life is maybe even half as strange as Doc in Marty's? And no, you cannot, cannot, cannot say, Jason can't say H, H can't say Jason. <laughs> it has to be someone not on Dune Pod or escape hatch, et cetera, et cetera. Thank you guys. You know, like I said, it was such a thrill to do Kev's questions on Dune Pod. Mixed emotions about having to do these for, let me check my contract here, the rest of my life. But uh, super excited to see what comes from escape hatch. And shout out to your guest, the great Tom Coates, who is about to kick off yet another great string of podcast appearances on escape hatch. Peace and love to the editing team, the Chuckle Hut, and everyone else I forgot. And I'll talk to you guys soon. Yay! Once again, it's Kev's questions. Kev, we love you.
What was it? Would you have an answer for this one, H? Of a of a of a special friend, an unexpected special friend. Uh, I mean, Hex answered it for me. River Phoenix, uh, like <laughs> River Phoenix. God. You, ne- I just never thought that that uh, you know he and I would have that kind of bond, uh, and that deep God. deep connection. So. It's weird that it would be so purely sexual as well. <laughs> so intensely sexual. That's great. <laughs> Uh, I, it is strange that this high school student has a, like, a, like a really deep friendship with an eccentric scientist. In his I can't mm-hmm. believe we haven't mentioned Rick and Morty at all, given that it's oh, based on yes. this. We haven't mm-hmm. mentioned, we haven't mentioned Rick and Morty. We did talk about it on Secret Sayadina, uh, briefly. Um, I, I don't think I've ever had, like, I've had like teachers that I was very close with. Um, but I never mm. like... I never like went to their house, for example, um, and would like show up, or I, they would never ask me to come deliver plutonium in the middle of the night or whatever. So I don't think I've ever had um, the kind of friendship where um, that that's so special between Marty and um, Doc Brown. Hmm. I think my academics, when I was doing my PhD, my academic supervisor for about two years of that was a bit like that. She was. She is, I imagine, a bit of a tricksy hobbit. Um, <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> she, um, yeah, she. I, I, I have to be careful. Um, you know, uh, was she was she was like one of those people who would be like, um, "You have to come out drinking with me and the other academics, and we can talk about things." And I'd be like, "I'm a terrified twenty-two year old. Oh, yeah. I don't think I want to do that." And she'd be like, "You don't get a choice in this. This isn't about you." You, you know, like this is about us wanting your company. Right. And I'd be like, okay. Yeah. yeah. And then we'd go out and, and like, yeah. But she also mm. got on most of my friends and. Um, oh, I see. I see. Uh, and, you know, and various other complexity things. But she did, like, she was a, a massive inspiring influence in my life before it all went horribly wrong. So, you know. Mm. Okay. Um, all right. I like that. Uh, That's a good answer. Other than that, it's Cal. So, <laughs> yeah. Fair. Of course. It's fucking weird. <laughs> Of course, we should all be so fortunate to have that relationship with Cal. Amazing. So, all right. So, a quick uh, letter I forgot to read, and I want to read this very quickly. This is from our man, Ethan. Ethan. From Australia. He says, hey, guys, Ethan here. Got stuck in 1996 because I time traveled back for the release of Quake. (laughs) I thought it would be super cool to invent time travel as a way of following through on my Quake bit from last week, but this shit sucks. The game runs (laughs) at like two FPS and Deathmatch straight up doesn't run here in Oz. Somehow our internet is even worse at the moment. Didn't know that it was possible. I'm not even able to listen to Aphex Twin much either because Australian imports are terrible and I found out I need a quote cassette player and physical media. I also can't send a voicemail because my time-traveling computer system only works on something called, quote, dial-up, and it takes too long. An email will have to do. Anyway, if you guys got to travel back in time for the release of a piece of media you adore, when and what would it be? The catch, you have to be desperate. Turns out you get stuck when you travel back. Whoops. Oh, no. Anyone else looking forward to Quake 2? No one believes me when I say it has colored lighting. Do I miss Halo? See you in thirty years, Ethan. Mm. Wow. Well, look, that's an interesting one. I don't know about getting stuck. I'm not really keen about mm. getting stuck. That's fucking with me too. Um, it might be worth it to see Joy Division. Uh, wow. So I mean, I think it would have to be a band 
I think it would have to be a band and not like a movie. I mean, because like, you know, it'd be cool to go to a movie. Like, I'm not going to go be stuck in like 19, the 1960s just to see 2001. <laughs> like, you know, I can, I can oh, I've, seen, although, I've seen 2001. I've seen it about 80 times. I'd probably yeah. do that. Mm. I'm going to uh, the premiere of uh, Children of Dune, uh, the third in the Dune series. So, like, you're going 20, to the future. You're going to skip 20, forward. 2031, or that's or, not a bad. That's or a good thereabouts. Idea. Yeah, that's good. Could, that's could good. Could be good. Yeah, I'd like to go to the Doctor Who 100th um, uh, anniversary special. Nice. I can always go back. I can always then watch all the previous ones. There you go. I'm always genuinely concerned that I'll die and they'll keep making Marvel and. Um, Star Wars and Doctor Who things, and I won't get to see them all. That upsets me. Yeah. Um, otherwise, I've always like, again, going back to my postgrad work. Like, there's one, there's one ancient tragedy that I always loved. I would love to see live, but like that would mean going back to 430 BC. So, um, what and was the, what's to, the tragedy? Is that Pompeii? Euripides' back eye, oh. um, uh, which is what okay. I spent quite about two years of my life writing about. Okay. Um, because uh, that's a normal thing that people do. Uh, um, and that would be, yeah, in, in Athens. Um, but I, I'm not sure I'm then prepared to wait 2,401 years to watch the Doctor 60th anniversary. That is no, yeah, about long three time. months, you know. It'll be a long so, wait, yeah. Well, um, and also for, also and for plumbing back. to be invented. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, Otherwise, I'd quite like to see David Bowie in concert, uh, oh, one of the good. big ones. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think trick, skipping forward is the trick, I think, because then you get to, to watch more media and uh, and they probably have ways to make your colon work better too. <laughs> I love it. There's all these great things that could happen in the future. Tom's like, I just want to go watch some more movies. And have my colon work better. I want to watch Doctor <laughs> Who. Just I just want I want my I want to walk, I, I want to watch lo, I want I want a room, uh, forty years of Doctor Who, and a functioning colon. That's all. That's all. Any, all right. Any wanna, human wanna, being could want. All right. I want to poop right and watch Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Here's our final voicemail. Cool. Hey, Escape Batch. This is Corey from Austin, Texas. Um, long time, first time? I don't even know. what. How does this work? I mean, I'm a long time, long time, I guess, but it's the first time, first time for Escape Batch. Mm. And what a great episode to start with, looking at Back to the Future. 1985, we were all so young when this movie came out. My goodness, just thinking about it, it's crazy. Michael J. Fox, that. Super Fox, Leah Thompson, my boy, Crispin Glover. You know I love that dude so mm. much. Anyway, um, obviously this movie is a huge hit. I loved it. Everyone loved it, right? Everyone was super gaga for Back to the Future. You know what I don't love? Back to the Future 2, and I certainly don't love Back to the Future 3. I don't know why. I just never bought into the Back to the Future cult. First movie's great. Sequels, I could give a rat's ass about them. I don't even care about them. I never even watched all of the third one. I don't really care. Anyway, uh, but what I'm talking about, though, talking about the first one. First one's great. I don't know. What can I say about it? I'm just going to go blah, blah, blah. Everyone loves it. Who would tell us what and play? I'm assuming everyone's kind of leaning towards Doc, right? Yeah. But how about, bear with me, Principal Strickland. How about that? Mm. I think that'd be good. And she'd have to play it bald, like real bald. Yes. Not like bald cap. I'm talking real bald. There we go. Strickland. Real hot. Right? Am I right? We've seen her ball before, but was she really bald? I think we need a really ball for this. Anyway, um, I digress. Okay. Um, I'm really excited about the whole rebranding here. 
Um, happy I did not say escape pod instead of escape hatch when I first saw it. At least I don't think I did. I have to double check the tape. All right. I love you guys. No matter what we call ourselves, we're all one big happy family, and I'm really super proud to be part of it. And uh, I just wish you guys continued success. I really do love you and everyone involved in DoomPod and in the Discord. Everyone's great. Love you guys. Yay! That's so nice, Corey. I love like, you. What a what a great omen that we're aligned with Corey on the Tilda casting in the first. Yeah, one for one. That, that's that <laughs> bodes well. That's a let's put a star on this episode. Did you think about Escape Pod or was that? Taken? It's, it's taken. Yeah, <laughs> it's figured. taken. Megan, yeah. cut that. <laughs> we're coming for you, Escape Pod. We're also, escape you. escape H. That joke has been made seventy five times. Escape uh, H. So far, so so get ready. Uh, Tom, what do you have to plug, buddy? Uh, nothing, absolutely nothing. As usual, I'm just. I've got a lot of pots, like fuck tons of pots. <laughs> I have. Um, I have pots. A very attractive <laughs> angular pots. Look at this one. This is a nice pot. You can't see this on the podcast because it's radio. Uh, but I have a very attractive pots of various kinds. I have in my house at the moment about 160. I'm producing about 20 a week at the moment. Jesus. Um, because I'm a fucking pot machine. I'm just a pot machine. Uh, so, yeah, other than that, um, uh, I, I'm, I'm starting to think I should probably get a job. And uh, this Mozilla one, I'm, I'm applying for one at Mozilla at the moment. So if anyone knows anyone at Mozilla, tell them nice things about me. Yep. But otherwise, nothing to plug. Get ready for the escape hatch bump. <laughs> yeah. Hive, rise up. Let's get Tom a job. Let's get Here we go. Tom's job. <laughs> Jason, what do you have to plug, bud? Uh, there's a little video game out called Diablo 4, uh, mm. which I don't know if folks have heard about this series of Diablo games, but it's uh, it's quite it's quite a bit of uh, video game out there. You can go and blow things up with your your ice beams and your lightning bolts and whatnot, and all the stuff blows up real good. I'm not particularly into the, like, gothic, like, sort of horror, uh, like, you know, devil fantasy. shit. Like, I, the fantasy part is fine, but it's all very gothic. It's, like, all, like, you know, this world is, like, you know, bedeviled by devils, and, like, you know, you got to go fight the demons. And I, I'm not, like, super into, like, all that, all that particular aesthetic. It's, like, sexy, evil, dead, like evil demon lady type thing there's what the main the main bad lilith is a sexy demon but most of it is not sexy most of it is okay. like most of it's just kind of gross just gross <laughs> yeah so i kind of wish it was like something else but you push the buttons and the stuff blows up so i like that all right i plug that there we go well we did it we're back we're back we're back let's go more more of the same all right And that's it for the maiden voyage of Escape Hatch. I want to thank Jason and Tom for an amazing conversation. Next week, finally, it's time. We've talked about this movie as much as any film over the last three years. Sandra Bullock returns for her 1997 classic, The Net. If you're enjoying the show, we need your help. Take a minute to leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to your podcast or just tell your friends about us because it really does help new listeners find the show. We also have a Discord server where you can hang out with us online whenever you want. A link is in the show notes. Escape Patch is a Tape Deck Podcast John, a production of H Industries. Our artwork is by Catcher, and our theme music was composed by Scott Fritz and Who's the Boss Music. The episode was edited and produced by me, H. Thanks for listening. We'll see everybody next week. 
need a nuclear reaction to, to generate the 1.21 gigawatts of electricity. 1.21 gigawatts! 1.21 gigawatts! 